This is episode 11. If superheroes had nail writers, it's the three mentalists walked into a podcast. Well, welcome to the latest episode. Yeah. It's episode 11. Episode 11. It's Can been a while, hasn't it's, it? it's been about 11 months since <laughs> our last episode. Well, to be fair, we do have lives. We do. We have yeah, lots yeah. of things we're, we're on. We're very busy, but it's been really good that we can get the three of us back together. The three musketeers, and even Lucia's here as happy as ever. There you go. So, what kind of things are we going to be looking at at episode 11? Well, well, I think this episode you get to hear Ken say... I'm dyslexic, you spoon. Are you really? Yes. Um, have you not read Baron? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you'll get Atlas asking this very important question. Which member of the Beatles would have made the best mentalist? And not to forget, Ken also asks... You have to live in a blind person's house for three days without them discovering that you are there. How would you do it? But before all of that, we're going to go into a lovely story from Atlas. Tell us all about it, Atlas. Right, so one of the things that I've noticed is driving in the UK. The U- UK, you guys are renowned for being polite. When I first got here, the, the streets are really narrow. And mm. so a lot of times with cars parked on one side, it, it takes a two-lane road and turns <laughs> it into a one-lane road. So you drive along the one-lane road here. And, Down and people, the middle. Yeah, so, <laughs> so they, they, they basically, on the other side, the traffic will wait for you. And one of the things that I thought was really, really charming and nice uh, was that everyone gives you a wave. Yeah. You know, when, and you, you, this is... It's this like is, a thank you gesture. Yeah, yeah, it's a thank you thing. Um, In the States, it's a middle finger. Unless <laughs> yeah. they don't, and then you, you give... I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm awful for road rage, so when people don't thank me, I usually call them every name under the sun. You know, it's funny as well. I've got terrible road rage, and I don't drive. You don't drive. I don't drive, and I've got the worst road rage. I think everybody's a dick. Anyway. Brilliant. Well, I appreciate that. There you go. No, I uh, I thought it was really charming. Do you know what I mean? Really, really nice. I'm like, gosh, these are friendly people. Whereas uh, it's like when I visited Boston. Boston people honk, not when they're outraged or angry, but they just sort of honk. They love honking. Okay. Um, so I noticed that years and years and years ago. And Do that in India as well. Anyway. Yeah. So so anyway, after about a few weeks of this, I noticed that the wave itself was not a normal wave. You know, imagine that you're holding a steering wheel. And in fact, listeners, you can do this at home. Imagine that you're holding a steering wheel. And to give away... In fact, if you're driving, we insist you're yeah. holding this to the wheel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably a good idea. With no hands! But when you give away, what they do is they just sort of raise their, their fingers up. Yes. They uncurl the hand that's, mm-hmm. that's clutching the steering wheel. And it's, it, you know, in America, you'd, you'd give away by waving your hand in the air, all fingers apart. But no, this one's all fingers together. They just sort of lift the hand up. Mm-hmm. And it occurred to me one day that this looked really funny. And so driving down, and I've done this ever since for like the three years I've been here now. Um, <laughs> anytime someone has to wait for me, and I know I'm about to get a wave in my car, I yell, "Heil Hitler!" <laughs> <laughs> you'll see these people. You'll see these people look around to, ch- and what they're doing is it looks suspicious. It looks like they're looking around to see if anyone's looking, but what they're really looking is that it's safe to go. So they look kind of left and then look kind of right. I didn't see my my Heil Hitler and then and my head up, and they go. And raise their head in a high, and it's hilarious. And so I'm starting to get. Um, so you do this with the windows down? No, no, I do. I do it for my own amusement and in the, the car. Kids. I'm not and literally. No, no. Whenever I'm by myself, <laughs> I have to be by myself. When, when the in-laws come over. I, I, I did, I have you still got the swastika on the bonnet of your car? <laughs> no, no. I mean, <laughs> you had it vinyl wrapped, I think. No, no. I'm literally turning polite British people who fought the Nazis into Nazi supporters, and oh, they don't know it. And it's really, really funny. 
I want to get a dash cam just so I can record these moments <laughs> and create a compilation of them on YouTube because they're really, really good. Because without fail, everyone kind of looks around and then goes and raises their head in a Sneaky Nazi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of the wave game, though? There is actually something called no, the, wave what is the wave game. Well, my, my dad was the first one to show me when I was a kid because he used to do it, and then I, I I do it now, and I've seen other people do okay. it. But essentially, all you do is you're driving down and you wait for a car to get close to you so they can actually see you, and you wave at them, and like literally look really pleased to see them and smile, and wave at them like you know them. <laughs> I, I guarantee, like the. Some people will just be like, they will wave back automatically because they don't realise who you are. They just think, oh, someone knows me, and wave back. Brilliant. Other people look at you really confused and drive by. Yeah. And it's good if you do this with couples because, like, if you wave at the woman and then you drive past, but you, you, like, you wave but really, really nice, like you know them, you guarantee the bloke's going to like go, and look that? over. Like, Who's that? <laughs> but you should play the wave game. That's great. See, now that, that makes me laugh because I used to drive around with my little brother and there was always... Uh, couples canoodling always couples canoodling and he'd roll his window down and he'd yell as we passed at like 30 miles an hour he'd just yell you'll always be in love <laughs> as we passed. and one time you'll always be in love you'll always be in love <laughs> so whenever <laughs> it's just so funny you're patronising it's right um, but uh, it's it was really funny patronising okay fine uh, <laughs> does that look, uh, do you say aluminum or do you say aluminium Ooh. I'm not answering. What do Canadians say? I don't know. I think they say. Let me let me finish my story before we rip off. Oh, is it not the end? No, no. Because one time we drove by How and it was, it was clear. I've been trapped in a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an edit. <laughs> right. So, um, there there was a couple that had clearly just was fighting. They were literally fighting. They were arguing with each other. Always, yeah. And uh, we watched him at a stoplight, and then the light changed, and we could drive down the road. And with that couple, he literally rolled down the window and yelled, You'll always be in love! Right in the middle of the it, it was great. This episode is brought to you by Mystic Descendant, the new quarterly publication for Mentalist. Get your copy now from mysticdescendant.com. Tales from the Trenches. I, I think, I, and, and we've talked about this briefly, but I think it would be fun to share some of the ways that we've opportunistically used some chance piece of information in a moment to really improve the uh, the show. Um, I was I was at a, uh, a corporate dinner. Audience was good. Everything was fine. I did a little bit for pre-show uh, and had a guy write a name down. Well, not a name. I, I told him to write any word. But when I got the peak of the word, it was uh, F-R-U-S-C-I-A-N-T-E, I think. Frusciante. And I'm like, this is, I've got no idea what this is. But luckily, I had time while they ate the dinner to, uh, to go and do my research on this. Now, the whole time, the guy thinks, obviously, he's got this piece of paper in his pocket. Mm-hmm. But I switched it out. So I, I went and grabbed my phone, and I Googled Frusciante, thinking maybe it was an Italian word that meant fruit or something like that. Uh, the only thing that comes back, I think, was John Frusciante, which was the guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself... This has to be what it is. It's not a. It's not another word. So I thought maybe it's a name, and I thought if if it's a name, what am I going to do with this? How am I going to reveal this piece of information? Um, because obviously now it's not just a name. He wrote it because of the guy's affiliation with with the band. So what I did was I took um, took my time 
loaded up the logo for the Chili Peppers, and essentially it's a plus sign with an X across it with a little circle that says Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Uh, anyway, I got to that point in the reveal, in the show, right towards the end. I said to the guy, you know, do me a favor and just say the alphabet, and I extracted all the letters. I said, this doesn't make any sense. I wrote all the letters down. I says, are, are, are all the letters here? And he says, yeah, yeah, they're all there. And I says, I'm trying to make a word out of this, and this is really really quite difficult. Tear the piece of paper off, throw it off the side. And I said, this, this, isn't, this isn't a name, is it? And he goes, yeah. And I says, okay, just focus on where you would know this name from. And then I drew the Chili Peppers logo. <laughs> and, I, and I said, does this, does this make any sense to you? And the guy genuinely, a string of F words, jumped up out of his chair, smacked his knee on the table, and, and a lot of swearing and pointing and, you know, hands to the face. And it was it was right before the end of the show. Wow. Closed on that standing ovation. Fantastic. And it was it was just a piece of little opportunistic Love stuff. It. For instance, I, I did another gig. Um, was a wedding, and I started working with this. The bride's boss was there, and I started working with uh, this guy, and he was quite skeptical initially, and then he, you know, he started to really be drawn in. And afterwards, he says, "I really liked you. I thought you were the real deal." Um, and he, he told a story where he was listening to a mentalist on the radio. And the mentalist had said to the, to the radio host, why don't you draw me a picture? No, nothing too simple like a shape, but nothing too like, complex like um, you know, uh, a painting or anything like that. Just, just something like a kid might draw. And he says, I was listening to this on the radio, and I was just yelling, it's a house, it's a house, he's drawn a house, it's obvious he's drawn a house. And then he drew a house, and so he didn't respect this mentalist at all. Uh, Found that out in a short two-minute discussion with him. Came back to the guy in a really weird way. Mm. Uh, because this girl worked for him, a lot of the other girls at the, uh, at the wedding were also his employees okay. from, from this pub. Yeah. So um, I had this girl draw a picture. She drew a house. I get my peek, and as I turn around, he walks past I says, whoa, 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 hang on, hang on. Hey, hey, Dan, just, just a second. Um, I want you to imagine that you're on a radio show and you're a mentalist. And he literally, he was out of the room, around the corner. No way he could have seen this. He comes, runs, walks right past, and I stop him and say, I want you to imagine you're a mentalist on a radio show and you've asked the host to draw something. Pretend she's the host. Tell her what she's drawn. He goes, it's a house. And she, she went absolutely yeah, bananas. Yeah. How could you have known? How could you? Oh, my gosh. And he loved being in on that moment. Um, and, it, and it was brilliant. So much so that he, uh, he hired me to do a gig at his, um, at his pubs. To, wow. So it was, it, was, it was really, really cool in, uh, in how that was used. But it was also, you know, perfect thinking on the feet situation. Uh, what I had done then is I took that girl's house that she'd drawn and just, you know, folded it up and put it in that little wallet. Right before the end of the night, I was going to do something with the bride and groom. I did something for the bride, hadn't worked with the groom yet, had him draw me a picture, got my peek, and I knew, and he's still holding on to this wall, so I know for a fact he's drawn a house. Mm. And I remember on the inside there, facing the other way, is this piece of paper. And I says, go ahead and just open this up. <laughs> and, and he's drawn, he's literally, is a perfect replica of the house, because everyone draws a house the same way. They freaked out. It, it looked like I had influenced them. It was, a, it was a prediction thing. Absolutely fantastic. And since I've done that, actually, um, girls tend to draw flowers more than anything. So I, I've left a flower in there and, and I've used that as a, yeah, yeah, as a prediction. Wow. So that when I get my peek and I know it's still in their hands and I can just say, hey, um, 
It's been in your hands the whole time. You could have drawn anything that you wanted to. There's no way I could ostensibly have influenced that. Go ahead and just uh, have a peek at what's on the left-hand side of the wall up there. Just pull that paper out and turn it around. And it's, it's one of these things where... When it hits. Yeah, and, and it's very, very fun doing things opportunistically. In fact, when I, when I first moved over here, whenever I talk to people, because they say, oh, where are you from? And I talk about, I'm from the, the States. And they say, oh, I've been to Florida. And you talk to them and say, what's the most, you know, what's the thing that you remember most about America, the thing that kind of stood out to you the most, do you like the best? And they all said the food. And so uh, my little tie clip, I took a folded up piece of card, and I'd written Florida and the food on the back. And genuinely, because this happens all the time. Yeah, so when I, whenever they'd start talking to me and they raised the subject, mm-hmm. I'd say, oh, where have you been in the States? And everyone has gone to Florida. And I say, what was the thing that you liked best? And they said, the food. I just grabbed my tie well above the tie clip and turned it around and say, why don't you take that? <laughs> and it's, it, you know, it's, it's one of these opportunistic things that you sort of learn through experience. I love that story. One of the things that happened to me, it's not really opportunistic, it's just one of those things that happen. I do a routine in my show where I switch a billet for another billet. And I want to make sure, this is a cool little tip if anybody wants to use it. Um, if you're going to switch a billet out, your method is you've switched it. Therefore, for my, to my mind, I need to do something which proves I couldn't have switched it, even though that is the method. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what I do is when I have people write things down, I have them put their initials on the bottom. So I say, write down the fact about yourself and put your initials on the bottom. Okay. So I switch the card, do the whole routine with that bit of information, whatever it's going to be. You know, it could be a Q&A, whatever it's going to be. But to, quote unquote, prove that I didn't switch that card in, I look at the initial at the bottom of the card and say, oh, where are you, AL? And I look around the room and I pretend I've seen AL waving at me and say, oh, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you for the card. Which sort of undoes any uh, any possibility that the card switched in because the person whose card it is just verified it is. It's it's a bit like um, who's a Canadian that uh, that does that with counting up things. Counting up things. Members of the audience. No idea. It's in uh, psychological subtleties. Craig Carter. No, he's um he's done a Penguin Extra as well. Oh, uh, Patrick Cuffs. Yeah, Patrick Cuffs. A bit a bit like that Patrick Cuffs thing where he pretends to see something in the audience that isn't. Okay, cool. Yeah, so so exactly that. Just miss calling a person in the audience. But then, re- literally, I think it was like a week or two weeks ago within the last fortnight of shows, uh, this person came to me after the show. Bear in mind, the billet was definitely switched in. Absolutely definitely. This guy comes up and he said, it was my card you used tonight. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> good. <laughs> and I'm going, definitely wasn't. But okay, cool. You know, I said, make sure you tell everybody because people think I swap it, and you know, make sure you go and tell everybody at the rest of the event that Let's it was your. Screaming from the rooftops. Yeah, absolutely, go and tell everybody because people don't believe me. People think I do something funky and I swap my own piece of card. And make sure you let them know that it really was your card. Okay, off he traipses. You know, your work, there's a miracle. Do the work. So that's, for me. that's like there's there's a routine I do. I mean, I've been doing the routine for five years. It's never happened before that, but that night I was making the most of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's well, like oh, I'll tell you, I might tell you the story once before on the podcast, but it's like I was doing the thing. For the, uh, for the the UK, the British Secret Services, um, and they, I'd, I've been for, for ages, maybe a year or so. I've been writing the word zebra or zebra um, onto a, onto a piece of flip chart paper and crumple it into a ball, and I'd be using that to select, to select people. Now I chose the word zebra because it's not a common choice. Mm. So on the one night somebody names it, everyone else around is going to be like, why did they think of zebra rather than going for like lion or something where people go. Oh, I thought of Lion too. I thought of Lion as well. Oh, I also thought maybe everyone thinks of Lion. So I'm about to do the opening of the show. 
throw the thing at the audience. Hey, uh, the ladies there, I think, really skeptical audience because you know they're for MI5. Stand up, name any exotic animal. She says zebra. I could have kissed her with tongues. I said, <laughs> bring the ball of paper to the stage. Hold it right above your head. You could have named anything at all. What did you name? Zebra. Okay, open up the paper. They you were forgot, mine. You forgot to write. No, I, I wish. Yeah, yeah that'd be funny. <laughs> open I have done my primal prediction routine before. And inside, if they chose the blue envelope, it says, you will choose the blue envelope. If they chose the blue one. Yeah, I put the things in the wrong envelopes once. Ooh. So she chooses the red envelope. It was... You will definitely choose the blue envelope. <laughs> I was like, oh, f- that was for a hen do that. You got a laugh. Yeah, you got a laugh. Yeah. Now there was there was one time I asked the audience, and there was only maybe fifty of them in this one. But I said, uh, who who was thinking of the word love? Five women put their hands no. up, <laughs> and I, I saw oh, them. Oh damn it! Yeah. A whole lot of love. Well, I have a, a weird story that I took advantage of a situation that presented itself. You took advantage of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this was about five years ago, and it was I was booked to do a little show for a Christmas party, and when I got there, they were all well and truly well oiled, well oh. and truly drunk. Um, but it was very informal. It was a very small room in terms of the room what we're in now, which might be sort of. What would you say in terms of size? Uh, 20 by... 40 by 20. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's probably about a third of the size of this room. And there was a good 20 people in it. So it was very, very tight. It was cosy, yeah. Um, And I have got like an aluminium case that um, screws onto a thread of a... Like a drum stand, so it becomes like a little portable table. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think yeah. Five of Hearts. They sell them, don't they? Five of Hearts Magic sell them down in Spalding, I think. (laughs) Really? Yeah, it was Colin what made it, me. Um, and so I brought that, I set that up in the corner, and um, it was just, you know, half of them were, were just drunk, and they were in the, they were about an hour late with the service, so they were still oh. eating. So they just said, oh, just just start, it's all right, just start. And I said, well, you know, I can't really do that with people eating and things like that, mm-hmm. to come on. And then it got to the point where it was late and late and late, and we went, oh, right, do you know what, we'll do something different, we'll just do it very informal, very chatty, we'll just do a bit of a, a show at the front. Yeah. Um, and as I was doing something, this guy who was really sceptical, he wanted to challenge, because I've got a challenge for you, I've got a challenge. And I said, well, you know, this is a show that we're doing, but fair enough, since we've never done a show like this ever before, we might as well just do it and take your lead. So he goes, I'm thinking of, uh, I've got a question for you. I went, right. So I thought, I had a, a little impression device, so I asked him to write down his question, not to show anyone, uh, to take off a piece of paper, scrunch it up, put it into his pocket. Uh, and, I, and I peeked it. Now, at that point, um, they came out to serve tea and coffee. Oh, great. So, and I was like, well, do you know what? I've been paid. This is just an informal, local little thing. It's yeah. not like a big stage show. We just went with it. And I thought to myself, I'll have a little look at what, he, what the question was. And the question was, what is a crinoline? Ah. What I, I, is I've heard of this. a crinoline? It's in, a so- it's in the song Blade and Races. Mm-hmm. It's, well, it's, it's, it's a piece of clothing. It's something you wear. I had it's no idea orange, what it was. It? So what's related orange? Um, well, what I, this is where I took advantage of it. It's underwear. Join the the uh, cutting, isn't it? I'm going to tell you in a minute. Uh-huh. So um, during the the bringing out the tea and the coffee, I just took my phone out, Google, typed in what is a crinoline, <laughs> um, got my answer, and then later on when I, he was the one who apparently remembered the, the quote, I never I never brought. And yeah, never brought it back up. He was said, "Oh, what about my my challenge?" I was like, "Okay," and then I revealed what it was. But essentially, it was um, a cage, like a metal undergarment that was put underneath dresses to make them bow out. Uh, 
it was like the structural thing what was wore around yeah. the belt and it was like a, a bird cage essentially just like a wire frame and what was his reaction uh, he lost his shit he, <laughs> he lost his shit all the days work for that mind but that was literally just taking advantage of the god awful performance scenario in the situation he was in <laughs> Hey everyone, Atlas here. I wanted to talk for a moment about Mystic Descendant. Look, there's been Magic Magazines, there's uh, Genie, there's, there's lots of different magazines geared towards magicians. Very rarely do you see something of high quality geared towards mentalists. So we had the Jinx, and I think that was pretty much the last one besides Syzygy. It's, it's been decades. Do your best to support Mystic Descendant by visiting www.mysticdescendant.com. <laughs> All right, welcome to Original Hustler. This is that new-ish feature that Atlas and I came up with. Uh, I think it was in the last episode, maybe. And this is where Atlas is going to call out on readout. Two episodes ago. Two episodes ago. Yeah. All right. He's going to read out three different statements about himself. Apparently, only one of those statements will be true, and then it's going to be up to Luch and I to badger the living hell out of him to try and figure out which one of those three statements is the truth, and, and leaving. Two of them to be fakes, forgeries, and beautiful. <laughs> right, so, so my, my three statements three are I once participated in and survived a zombie dash, so a big zombie run. It was the 2.8 uh, hours later zombie run. I think, yeah, I think that's true because you told me about it before. Uh, it might be changing some of the salient details. It might be that I participated and didn't, didn't survive. survive. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay? Right. So there's, there's one. Uh, the second is that I once had a used prophylactic, shall we say, from the sewers in my mouth. Okay. Condom. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. And uh, once my truck was so dirty that the car wash attendant actually quit his job mid-clean. I feel like all three of those are true. Yeah, he's, he's been very clever he's how he's very done this. very clever. So, read them out again. Again, yeah. I once participated in and survived in a zombie dash. I once had a used prophylactic from the sewers in my mouth. And once my truck was so dirty that the car wash attendant quit his job mid-wash. Okay. <sighs> well, I've I, heard all three of these well, stories. For me, the condom thing... I don't think I don't think the condom went in his mouth. Should we? Should we? Do you want to ask me to share the experience? And you sure. Can, you can yeah, decide? yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So the zombie dash, uh, a couple years ago, now uh, I think in Leeds, and I was running along with my friend Stee. Uh, we'd signed up to do this zombie dash, which was essentially they they blocked off an industrial area and they put it into grids on the map, and we had to go from one grid point to another grid point to another grid point, and finally end up at the end okay. alive. Uh, Where was it? In Leeds, I think. Hmm. Um, so anyway, we, we, we ran along. It was just us, but th there were some other groups, and it became clear early on that if you wanted to survive, you had to have a bigger group for the zombies to choose question. from. Yeah. So you had to navigate yourself from grid point to grid point, but you don't know if you were in Leeds. Well, I didn't drive to the city. I just know that it was somewhere within an hour away. Okay. Okay, because I remember that he, he left. He was with me at the time. I had the Festival of the Mine in Sheffield. Mm -hmm. and Oh, yes, it, it, it was Sheffield. To go and do this. Mm -hmm. And then came back... Did you come back later on? Yeah, you came back later on, didn't you? I think so. Yeah. yeah. In okay. fact, you did, because you were driving. You came back with the hoodie. Was he a winner or a loser? Well, I think he survived. He told me a funny I story about this. I think he survived, this. because I think he's got the, the, the hoodie. 
Yeah, he has a red hoodie with it. But he did say something like 2.8 hours. Like, I'm not sure if that's... Go on. What, so what's right, the so statement that we're telling the truth of that? Basically, I'll, I'll tell the, the quick story. We, we survived by staying with a big group. Um, but I obviously, being largely out of shape, and Steve could run marathons, Just I did largely, not, I think, is what you want. Yeah, thanks. Um, didn't make it past a certain point without having to take a massive breather. So the group that we were with, it was a big, long, dark alleyway, and the group that we were with sort of, you know, they, they kept going. I said, Steve, i got to stop. So we watched them uh, for the next few hundred yards, and they got to the end of this alleyway. Everything was fine. Everything was cool. And then zombies jumped out from everywhere, and you literally heard them go, down the road as, 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 so it sounded like obviously zombies were chasing him the, yeah. the whole time mm-hmm. um, so Steve and I looked at each other and said right we have to we have to get with another group so we waited for a few minutes another group showed up we joined them and said look we watched this group go before us stay with us and as soon as we say now run and we can beat this ambush so we did we got up right to the point where we knew the lights were about to come on and all the zombies were about to pop out and we went now and we, and we uh, we chucked off as fast as we could. So we, we, we did beat the initial zombie rush. But what we didn't realize was that the whole length of the road, zombies were popping out the entire length oh of the road. And, and as you would imagine, I was up there originally at the front with the group. Um, and the group sort of went like this. Describe that to the listeners because they right, can't yeah, see that. Yeah. <laughs> Use your words. The, the group moved was it along. Like this? The, it looked as though the group moved along. <laughs> but I did not. <laughs> Uh, so I, I was I was running, but so basically the group left me in the dust. There you go. That's okay. that's a good illustration. Thanks, Ken. Uh, <laughs> so as as I got towards the end of the street, I still hadn't been tagged by a zombie, so I was still in it, and there were only two zombies to beat. And I was running along, and the zombies sort of heard running, but I think they thought I was a zombie because the group had cleared. Uh, and then one of them sees me and realizes, actually, no, I'm a player. So he uh, he starts running towards me. And his hand reaches out. I remember his eyes yeah. as, as he's reaching towards me, maybe six inches away. And I just, I was sure I was going to die in this zombie thing anyway. But I decided, no, not today. Today, I live. And I, I jumped off my right foot. And I, I can only describe it as teleporting. I teleported <laughs> about 10 feet to the left. And I jumped over the curb and I was running on the dirt by the curb. And I remember the zombie's eyes getting huge, like big as dinner plates. And then you know how you're running really fast and sometimes you lean into the turn? Uh, I ran and I, I leaned into the other turn and beat this other zombie. Got to the sidewalk on the edge of, uh, of the darkness now. You know, the street lights are gone. I'm just laying there going, <gasps> for about six minutes. And I finally catch my breath. And it's gone quiet and it's gone dark again. And the zombies have all reset to the, their original positions. And the zombies were played by, obviously, people. Just dressed up like zombies, oh. and and you heard him, you heard him break character, and, and one of them goes, John, hey, hey, John, and he goes, yeah, and he goes, hey, did that uh, that tubby one get past you too? <laughs> <laughs> it was soul destroying, all the work and yeah, all the effort yeah. I put into this. The tubby one, yeah, did that tubby one get past you? Okay, too? as far as I'm concerned, unless he's been lying to me for years, that's true, because that's the same story I've heard. Yeah, same. So well, let's let's reserve judgment for the other two. Okay, what are the other two in brief? The other two is, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you the quick story. So in brief, one was that I had a used condom from the sewers in my mouth. But that's true. Well, is it? He says in his mouth. Couldn't the, I'm sure, oh, the, I'm condom, I'm sure the condom hit him. I uh, hit him in the face. Right, pace. so let's, let's add some background for those who don't. But the no, background's going to be true. Yes, that's the thing, the statement. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so ba- basically, here, here we go. So I, uh, I used to 
run some apartments, and there was um, it was set up so there was a sewer line on the bottom for all the units that if it got blocked up, all the five one-bedroom apartments on the bottom would, would flood with sewage. Uh, and that happened one day. So a guy that used to help me, his name was Dave, he and I ran over there early morning, pulled the toilet off, set it in the tub next to it, and um, we got this big drum snake. And a drum snake is basically, it's a, it's a giant, um, I guess you could say it's a cable with a spiral end. And the spiral end is made to go down the drain, and the drum sort of spins. It's got a foot pedal that spins it. Yeah. And it, it catches whatever is the blockage, mm-hmm. and it will catch it in that spiral end and then pull it up. This bathroom was so small that when the drum was plugged in, I couldn't reach the foot pedal myself. So I, I had to jam the, uh, the sewer line, you know, the, the cable yeah. down the sewer line uh, while Dave ran the foot pedal. So we go down maybe about four feet, and suddenly you see all the water and all the sewage. There's turds floating everywhere. It all just... <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's classy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and and uh, all of a sudden it just goes... And runs down the drain. That's so, I, yeah, I got the blockage. I was like, sweet, this was easy. I'm super thrilled. <laughs> oh, I start, I start pulling the cable back oh. into the drum that, uh, that spins. And Dave asked me a question just as the tip of the cable comes out of the sewer line. So... I turn to look at Dave to answer him, and just as I turn back, he accidentally steps on the foot pedal, which spins the cable, and it slaps me right in my open mouth, right? And I'm, I get this distinctly awful flavor, and I know that I've just been hit by something from the sewer, and there's a moment where I don't want to look. Days. I don't want to look down to see what's attached to the tip of this cable because it's the blockage. But I know I have to. I'm hoping it's a hair clog. But based on it being where it was, I didn't think so. So I looked down and hanging, just dangling from the tip of this uh, spiral tip cable, is an old used condom that someone had flushed. Nice. Now, I don't know what this says about me, but in my mind, I'm now going through... I think through... it wasn't in his mouth then. If it was still attached to that, it wasn't in his mouth. In my mind, I'm going through every tenant that was there that lived in that apartment complex. Trying to complex, figure it out. Figure trying out trying it on them and thinking... No, just trying it on and thinking, is there a situation in which this is remotely okay with me? <laughs> was there one? No, no. I got, no, no I, got through all, I got through all eight tenants and then I went... Ah! <laughs> freaked out. And I started yelling at Dave and I made him clean everything up and I went and like... Lysoled my mouth out. Mm. Could but, you identify um, whose it was by the taste? I'm not as adept at things like that as you must be. <laughs> I'm just wondering. Um, okay, uh, so what's your statement? Because I think we're. Really so the statement is I got hit language in the mm. mouth. Let, let me let me no, look no, what I actually wrote down. In your mouth is what yeah. you said. It wasn't hit in the mouth. Let's see. <clears throat> uh, I once had a used prophylactics from the sewers in my mouth. In. I don't think it was in his mouth. I think that's a, sem- a semantic yeah. um, thing, which is typically Atlas. I'm surprised he didn't do the whole thing as a progressive undergrad. Mm. Um, I think that was not true. Okay, third statement. First one, I'm still pretty Third tough. statement was that my truck was once so dirty that the car wash attendant quit his job mid-wash. Okay, now, do you I, think have, I have a new theory on this. What's one? this? Well, I remember all 33 stories he's told me, but yeah. I think... It might have been his brother's truck or his brother's car, as opposed to his. Ah. Right, so here, here we go. Let me tell the story. story. Dave obviously cleaned up all the sewage from that. Oh, this was too sneaky. <laughs> so when, when I was hit in the mouth by this, by this condom, Dave cleaned up all the sewage. Uh, and we, 
I didn't realise this at the time, but the this town... This podcast has suddenly turned into Atlas, my first ten years. You know, it's like a bio. <laughs> you wanted to do them all at once. I was happy to, to cycle through. No, I didn't realise it was a related story, though. No, no, it's, it, it is related. So, um, essentially, David cleaned everything up, all the sewage and everything, and he put it in a trash can. Well, very wisely, and I didn't realise this for three months, but very wisely, the guys who empty the trash decided they wanted nothing to do with that trash can because it smelled so foul because it was all sewage. So it sort of sat there all summer long, sort of stewing in this human fecal bacteria frap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day, we had replaced the carpet in an apartment and uh, got some carpet and carpet pad and put it in the bed of the truck. And then Dave said, oh, that trash can hasn't been done. No, neither of us remembered at this time what was in that trash mm-hmm. can. But we said, right, we'll just grab it and dump it. So we grabbed it, carried it over, and as I, I remember, as I lifted up the trash can, mm-hmm. looking at my hand in the air on the bottom of the trash can as I flipped it over, and thinking, what is this? As I, as I sort of saw it, like this brownie sludge um, all along my hand, and I realized, as the lid came off the trash can, and just water went boosh everywhere, and the, the carpet pad sort of slurped it up, and we realized, this is all that mess months ago oh, no. so it, it literally it was the foulest smell i cannot describe to you how bad the smell was Just rotting feces it was awful it was the worst thing i'd ever smelled in my entire life right. and so it's on my hand and i'm like ah so i clean my hand <laughs> off and i get some purell and i'm, I'm cleaning <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'd have done the same thing man i would have squealed higher than that yeah and so uh we get in how the would truck you squeal no we'll not do that because they complain about that if i squeal and get excited on the podcast go on squeal no Squeal for not me. Happening. Squeal for me. Yeah, baby! <laughs> <laughs> See, that's not a proper squeal. If you had poo on your hand, you were like, yeah, baby! <laughs> yeah, okay, there, there you go. So, uh, we get in the truck, we're like, we gotta get the, to the dump as fast as we can. It was a hot, hot day. It must have been about 90 degrees. This is in the States still? Or is this this is in the States. Okay. So, we're driving along, getting uh, driving down Pearl Street, and all of a sudden, we get to the stoplight, and Dave kills himself laughing. <laughs> and the reason he's killing himself laughing is because the guy next to us had his windows open, Oh, and yeah. then, like, his, you know, he's, yeah, he starts sort of dry heaving, and you see his nostrils kind of curl up. He looks around. Yeah, and he, and he rolls up his windows, and Dave is laughing. He thinks it's funny. So we're driving to the dump, and uh, a jogger jogs by, and Dave literally, this is not an exaggeration, sees him on his knees, double over, and retching. Oh, my God. And Dave is, like, killing himself laughing, and I'm just embarrassed that this is a smell associated with us. So we get I hope to the dump. on the radio it was driving along in my automobile. <laughs> <laughs> People, people die in Bassam. So we, we get to the dump, dump the stuff off, get to the first stoplight after the, the, the dump, and I'm, I'm relieved now. Get to the first stoplight. I mean, it must still be yeah, we get, we get to the first stoplight, <coughs> windows roll down, and I've realized the smell is still there. Wow. Now, I've never washed this pickup truck ever, ever. It's just a beat up truck for work. So I. I instantly whip into the yeah, Chevron, right. into the Chevron gas station, the, and I buy. It's a purpley. It's a purpley you, Ford F two fifty. It's a ninety four. I bought it in two thousand six. And was it registered in your name or like in the company's name? These are these are solid salient questions. Mm-hmm. It was registered in the company's name. Okay, interesting. So uh, I more, pull into the Chevron. Did you buy it new or did you buy it second hand? Second hand. From your brother? No, okay. not from my brother. Okay. Uh, pull into the Chevron, and I go in there and I buy the deluxe wash. Now, little do I know, when I whip around the side of the Chevron to the gas station, to the uh, the car washing part, a deluxe wash involves a person. And as soon as we pull up, 
This guy knows he wants <laughs> nothing to do with, with this pickup truck. Like you see him instantly look at us with suspicion, and Dave's Dave's sat next to me going, play cool, play cool, play cool, play cool. <laughs> so we're trying to keep straight faces. And the guy's you got... You had to give the van back at the end. The pickup truck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it goes into... So Dave... To your um, brother, right? Dave's, Dave's laughing as this guy approaches with the yeah. pressure washing wand, and he's looking, he's lifting his head over, and he's sort of... <laughs> tentatively spray in a few blasts and he begins more you know be more comfortable as he goes along and uh, <laughs> you see him go around the side of the truck and he didn't drop the tailgate on the pickup truck and I don't know if you ever sprayed a pickup truck with a hose ever with no tailgate uh, or with the tailgate on there but the water just goes boosh and comes right back at him and you see him disappear in the fog and you hear him yell and then he goes around the other side of the pickup truck does the exact same thing. <laughs> Whoosh. Yeah, and, and he just disappears in a fog of what he now knows is sewage water. I mean, there's no question. It has to be sewage water. And he, he literally disappears in the fog, and then you see you see the uh, the pressure washer wand fly across the top of the car as the guy yells, <laughs> And Dave and I are now shaking with laughter. Shaking with laughter. Uh, and, and he comes over and looks at us and Dave's like literally Dave was crying, <laughs> crying tears crying, crying. and we're, we're trying to look totally straightforward <laughs> totally cool he presses the button the, the automated part takes over the car you know the truck gets dragged through the car wash and we're like we've got to give this guy a tip he was not happy he was so angry we met on the other side and we come out of this car wash by another guy completely different guy and he looks angry <laughs> we're like what's this guy's deal I mean we could understand the other guy's problem but what's this guy's deal uh, we roll down the window and he goes what did you do to Dave and uh, we're like what he's like he just came in and quit and when I said why he said ask those two in the truck we're like we've got no idea sir so, so I'm is your, was it your friend who was called Dave, Dave or was it the was guy, it the guy who quit called Dave yeah my co-worker was Dave. So ask, why was da- why did Dave quit then? It, was, it must have been another Dave. Two Daves. Two Daves. Two Daves, one car. Mm. <laughs> Two Daves, one car. So what happened to the um, the truck pickup thing? Uh, eventually we sold it. It did stank so like hard a, that we sold it. I'm not surprised. Did you go for a matte sort of finish, like a pearlescent blue? What sort of metallic? What was it? What colour? What kind of It was finish? a purpley with metal speckles in to make it shiny so it was like a metallic purple okay. mm-hmm. how much was it pickup truck was 7800 I think it was in the 7000 between 7 and 8000 when I bought it Ford F250 diesel what was the registration plate oh I never memorized them there because we didn't have to I, I know mine here because at the parking lots you have to put in the yeah. digits of your numbers so what was your statement before the one before was about the condom what, um, what color was the condom it was black by the time it was. By the time oh, it stunk. Oh. <laughs> like, and was it like bursting in your mouth? Right? What was it like? Was it like jello when it was in your mouth? It was like a wet piece of plastic. I mean, it didn't like. It wasn't like biting into a jelly donut or anything like that. It was just literally oh, slapped across my mouth. First one was very nondescript, which could have been the under the radar one. He could be getting us with that. It was a zombie one. But he did survive it. But he I once survived. I once participated in a zombie dash and survived. Is the word once ambiguous there? Has he survived more than one of them? 
But it'd still be true if you say, oh, I once did that. That's true. It'd that still be true. true. Yeah. Is it a zombie dash? It was, yeah. I know what it was called, like a survival runs. kind of thing. What have you called them? What have you said it is? It would be a the technicality. If, if it's yeah, that yeah. one, it would be a stupid technicality. I'm, I think, and we won't get at this as answer just yet, but my vote, mm. for my point, I will go with the zombie dash. Okay. What would because you Because it seems the least likely. If there's not an, enough semantics in it, I don't think... Well, I know that there's elements of truth in all of them. Absolutely. Um, the major story The technicality is, is did, did the condom go in the mouth or did it hit him in the face? I think it hit him in the face and it was like sort of on his lips and stuff. Well, he says he had it in his mouth. He said it was in his mouth is what he said. See, that's, that bit there might not... At what point is something in your mouth, I think, is what you guys need to argue. So, um, just read out that statement about the, the condom. Actually, read all three statements again. I once participated in a zombie dash and survived. I once had a used prophylactic from the sewers in my mouth. And once my truck was so dirty that the car wash attendant quit his job mid-wash. So, the truck, from we the think, sewers. We think the truck one's not true. Because we think it was somebody else's truck, right? But it... it, it oh, yeah, yeah. The sewers one. The sewers, was it from the sewers? It was from the sewage system. But is that the sewers? Is it the same the thing block. in America? Yeah, they go into the sewers, don't they? But if he's part of an apartment block, he's in the internal plumbing and... That's pipes. sewage system. Mm. The Either way, he's played this one rather. Very rather. rather <laughs> I, I would call, well, apart from to beep this out, but I would call him a bit of a <laughs> of this one. Yes, yeah. I would call him a massive wedgie. Tub- tubby. A tubby zombie rubbing yeah, semen eating trucking. the mentalism. Mm. You guys say all that, but at the end of the day, scoreboard bitches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the first one. I'm going to go with the zombie run. Okay. As the lie. As the truth. There's only the one truth. truth. There's only one truth. Um, I'll. I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with that one as the truth as well. We'll find out Atlas's answer after this message from our sponsors. This episode of the Three Mentalist Podcast is brought to you by MysticDescendant.com. All right, so we're back, and now, so Luch and I have placed our bets. Uh, we believe that the first statement about the zombie dash is the true one. Atlas, make your big revelation. Well, guys, I am 100% sorry to say that you are right. However, had you chosen any Woo-hoo! of the other two... Winner! Winner, winner, chicken dinner! Chicken dinner! I, I think it, you were pretty safe no matter what, because if you had chosen any of the other two, they were also, sad to say, true. See? See? <laughs> Sneaky bastard! All of them are true, and and that's why you've heard those stories before because they're all true. So but I love that you were worried about semantics. Yes, because you're a sneaky sod. Ha, right. ha, he hates to lose, doesn't he? He does. So now he cheats. Grr. One point each. And welcome back. We're going to do a slightly different section this week. Uh, where we're going to talk about different products that we, you know, have been engaging in, whether it's reading or watching, uh, and we're calling it the good, the bad, and the ugly. Ooh, which is basically because he's ugly. Thank you. Um, so this is this is sort of like fight your corner, except we, we wanted a bit more freedom instead it's of just, just chat. Yeah, this is just a, just chat it's here. Chilling. So, for instance, like, what, what's ahead. what's some of the best stuff you guys have seen lately? Uh, I've, I've enjoyed. Um, I got hold of. Mark Shando's book, uh, Harper Crown, Harper Crown. Um, and there's a really good routine in there. 
uh, called Numbers. I really enjoyed that. So for me, that was worth reading. It's a beautiful looking book. Beautiful yeah, looking really, book. Really, really pretty. Yeah. Another one of Hair Signs. Um, yeah, Steve. Phil Smith designs. Yeah. Beautiful designs. Really, really pretty. I'm, I haven't read through it the whole way, although I have seen some of the earlier material. What he, he was sending me during the development of it looks really interesting. I'm looking forward to getting stuck into it. Yeah, I like great. it as well. He has a lot of similar thinking to what Vernon would say in terms of applying that idea of things being natural and your actions being motivated. If you're going to steal something, you need to have a reason to go to that pocket. Or if you're going to ditch something, you need a reason to be going to that pocket or whatever it's going to be. Justifications, so, justifications built into your choreography. And that sort of stuff. So they're basically very Vernon-esque thinking and well, I, I applied think, to mentalism. Yeah, I think that's interesting, though, because he's he's from a magic background originally. And, he, and, he, and that tell definitely you shows throughout. Yeah, because he emphasises misdirection, I think, a lot of... Yeah. Mentalists miss out the the you know or or don't fully understand the importance of misdirection. Mm-hmm. I think right. it's an interesting book for looking at how to take a routine mm-hmm. and fix it or polish it. Right. What's the, the the meaning behind the name Harper Crown? Has he explained that? I don't know. Answers on a postcard. Tweet us at Three Mentalists if you know the answer. Not you, Mark. That doesn't count. Yeah. That'll be that'll be cheating. Um, I mean, just to give you a sort of an overview, he begins by talking about a thing called the Shando Switch. Which is a combination of things from from uh, from Bobo's coin magic. And no, then he, he begins by talking about his father. He does, and the, and the importance, I think, of a, of a mentor mm. in um, in the you know in the art of magic and mentalism. Yeah, which is lovely. It's a really great yeah. and a really touching story. And then, sorry, at the first the first bit of sort of practical hands on mentalism stuff or magic stuff is his switch, and then it goes into application of that switch for some coin bending routines. I'm personally not a huge fan of coin bending routines. I've done one in the past. I've done a number of different ones in the past. And I just find, I'm going to be controversial here, I find it very difficult to sell coin bending as mentalism. I think it comes across as magic, but if it fits with with his style, then that's cool as well. But for me, the highlight of the book is this routine numbers where some randomly generated digits uh, are put into a new sequence and... uh, end up being the, pr- the printed prediction in a lottery ticket which is just great yeah not not read it yet but um, it's I, a I, like Luch I've seen a few bits so I mean, I'll definitely the, go and look at numbers that's the one okay what about you guys <laughs> uh, this is this is something that's been around for absolutely ages but um, again I sort of like to highlight things that people either don't know about or overlooked forgotten about yeah you know there tends to be a, a release that's made and, and there's a, a bunch of fanfare and attention on it and stuff and then nothing sort of happens but uh, this is the Telethought Wallet by Chris Kenworthy and I like I'm not a wallet guy and this is it's literally just a uh, it's a business card holder. it's a business card case which is 100% justification for me to have and to have out yeah so you literally pull a business card from one side in the, in the exchange, this is the way I use it when I go to networking breakfast and stuff. In the exchange, I take their card, have them draw a picture on it first, picture, yeah. and say, you know, it's it's easy for me to uh, remember people better if I have seen the picture that they draw. Anyway, slide it face down in the other side of the case, and there's absolutely nothing to see, but my peak is 100%. perfectly 100% brilliant. Yeah, no, it's good. Don't know if you guys have ever seen that. But, I've um, actually seen this wallet. I really like it. I think... Um, do you feel like so? Let's just sort of describe to our listeners what this sort of looks like. So it's about two and a half inches wide. It's, it's essentially just a little bit longer and wider than a business card. Black leather. Yeah, if you know, with, if um, you know what the sight and seam case looks like, it looks a sort of similar, similar to that, size yeah. and feel. Yeah. But on each side, it has like a, a, like a clear a little, little perspex window. window. And how do you feel about that? Do you feel that it looks suspect? 
No, I, I don't think at all it looks suspect. And part of this is that you're getting the peak very, very clearly while they can see quite clearly that there's nothing, nothing to see. see. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that that see-through aspect of it, you know I mean, the perspex on a, on a black thing behind, actually helps to hide the, uh, the methodology, and it really sells instantly. It, 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 <coughs> it comes out, bang, goes in, and here's the move. And that's it, I've got my peak. It looks like, you know, something that you would have an ID... Um, it does look like the ID window. Do you yes, put an ID in the other side just to sort of like a driver's license or something? You could, but I think if it's not in both sides, why bother? Mm. Um, but with me, what I sometimes, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I've thought about doing here um, is I've got my business card that's the clear ones, the plastic ones, mm. um, and I've toyed with the idea of plugging them in, um, but I think it would it would obstruct my peak a little bit. Yeah. Well, I, um, a couple of things. I, I had one of those probably about eight or nine years ago when he brought them out. I bought it from Blackpool. Yeah. Um, and I really liked, can we say, can we say what the name of the thing is? The, the Telethot wallet? Yeah, really the, the name of the, the plastic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give away the, the methodology. Um, but basically, once I learned about the method, it enabled me to then go off and research that particular stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, and then come up with some other things. Interestingly, there's another guy, a French guy, I believe. He made me one of these. Silver Invip. Uh, was it Silver Invip? He could have been. Yeah, was it the Viper? Yeah. Yes, and he took the idea of having one of the ID windows, so it was your business card, mm-hmm. and you could actually see your business card there, even though you could still kind of see the peak. Hmm. So it was cleverly done. Um, I still think this is infinitely superior. It's less fiddly. Now, I, I, I don't disagree that. Um, Sylvain's idea was clever. However, the bottom line is, I, I think there's nothing. You know, why run when you're not being chased? There's, I mean, it's yeah, a very simple-looking thing. It doesn't. It looks like there's no moving parts, and there are no moving parts. But it does look very simple. It's. I mean, can you get the peak? And from my from my perspective, there's nothing for me to see. Uh, I can't even find the peak. That's how good it is. There we are. Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing. The only thing I would say, I mean, it's not really. It almost looks like a wallet. What's inside out? You kind of you expect you to see the windows on the other side, as opposed to being on the outside. But I mean, these days there are so many exactly, types of yeah. Wallet. Nobody knows say. the design of this like, wallet or that wallet. So yeah, yeah. okay. It, it literally it does the job. It's a brilliant little little. Uh, and just remind, remind us what that's called. Cool. It's called the uh, Chris Kenworthy's Telethought wallet. Now I will say, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge wallet guy, and I think this is part of why this has got overlooked. Is there a lot of wallet honks out there that, mm. that love wallets and, you know, they can't get enough of them? I'm not a huge wallet guy, and this is why this is a great fit. It's so simple and it's so... It's just my business card. Yeah, so, yeah, but he's released more than one version of this, and this is the original version. And I, I personally think the second version is not an improvement. I think that wallet guys looked at it and said, oh, I want this and I want this and I want this. And so he, he you know, he, he listened to the customer feedback, which is obviously important, but... I think if, you, if you're doing just straight mentalism, there's nothing better than a business card case mm-hmm. with a, a straightforward peak. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take on it. And again, it. not a huge wallet guy, but it's, but, uh, it's exactly what, what, you need. what I want. Well, if you, you know, you're going to do a business card peak to have them come out of a business card holder, that all sort of makes sense. Yes, yeah, it makes Rather perfect than a peak sense. in a wallet, I think that's, that's probably better. I'm and sort of selling myself on one right now, I'm thinking that's... Yeah, and, and as nice. I said, what I, what I use it for is I go to the business networking meetings. Yeah. Um, and the whole point there is to collect business cards. Yep. So I hand him a pen and say, you know, uh, here's, here's who I am, here's what I do. Do me a favor, have you got a business card? Draw a picture on the back. 
I'll, uh, I'll save that and try and guess what it is, but that's how I remember people. And then obviously harvest the email address off there, plug it into, you the know, CRM and, system. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and you, and off you go, but it, it's a good reason to, uh, to use it and to have them draw it. And from their perspective, it's absolutely yeah. flipping clean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I really like that. That's really good. Thanks cool. for sharing that. What have you been looking at playing with? Honestly, not that much. No. Uh, in all fairness, I've been very, very busy um, working. Been busy doing gigs, mm. but in the time when I've had a bit of downtime, and sometimes you have to force yourself to have a little bit of downtime. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm, I'm thinking all the time and working on stuff. Um, and the things that I have been looking at of other people's, yeah. um, Alex McClear's lecture notes. Sure, I haven't seen them yet. I need to pick them up. I hear, the, I hear his lecture was amazing at mine. Uh, a couple of nice little bits in there. I love Alex. A really nice guy. Yeah, I've known him for years. Nice uh, so been been reading that. Um, what's the other things I've been looking through? I'm just sort of kind of working my way through my library. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you mm. get sent lots of things and you put them on one pile and, and, and you've got your classics that you always go back to. But it's just nice to sort of dip in and out of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to... I've, I've been dipping in and out of the Jack Cantilla books. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple that I haven't got that I need to sort of complete my collection with. Um, Which ones have you listened to, yeah? I think it was the two-person one, number the two. Duo. Yeah, that's the one that I didn't get. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was looking at number one, and I think it was five. Is it the prediction one, Quint? Quint, oh, something like that, yeah. the predictions. That was really nice ideas. He's got some great stuff. I first learned about him by reading Bascom Jones' Magic. I was like, mm. who's this Jack Cantilla guy? I need to look up his stuff. And then I saw he had the whole the blister books, and then there was the, uh, the Assumption, Assumption Swindle, swindle yeah, and then the whole good. series of things. Yeah, that's and, good. Uh, and... And then I got into it. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. Did he's done a penguin lecture, hasn't he? Yes. Uh, did he do it already? Or I'm it? sure he's done it. I'm sure he's done it. I saw him at Mindvention. Bench and he was hanging out, but I don't know if he's done his lecture yet. I don't know. Well, I remember it was announced months ago. Yes. So I'm guessing he's done it by now, but I've not seen it. Oh, okay. So it'll be interesting to actually watch some of that stuff being done. Because sometimes, because they're, they're backing up how far ahead they do, they're recording them now as well. They're doing yeah, they've changed the format, hasn't they? Could be, yeah. But yeah oh, watching. I watched. I watched um, Peter Turner too. Did you? How yeah. was that? Um, I think I preferred it to the first one. Okay. Um, there's a few really nice little bits in there. It's very long though, very very long, um, and I found myself skipping through to the bits that I was interested in. Uh, and I watched his work on Lyft, which was interesting. I did know quite a lot about it from when I, I, I went to visit him in. Bradford a few years ago and we spoke about some of those ideas which have then been developed further by myself to come up with my own stuff yeah. um, <clears throat> but that was nice to watch him do um, he what's the guy who's always in the Penguin lectures Bride Jacob with it which was quite fun but then again where is Jacob he gets fried a lot poor old Jacob he gets fried a lot he's a bit like that guy in the LNL DVDs yeah, 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 he is, yeah. John oh, John is that his name John, John. no, no well, the young the, the right yeah it is John I'm thinking of because <laughs> <laughs> um, the, there's quite a few people isn't there on those LNL yeah, yeah. I kind of wish I could do an LNL know, thing, just too. so I could have that audience yeah, it'd be great too. wouldn't it the best audience ever oh I watched talking about that I, watched, I re-watched Rick Moore's um, DVDs DVDs yeah we so watched I found them quite difficult to watch I love Rick and I and I know that they spent a long time putting that whole thing together. But oh, it's spent ages coming out. But I, I rewatched it because I wanted to rewatch Fate. Yeah, I think that's probably his best work. Fate. Yeah, good routine. I one of his routines, the one where you with, with the different locations and you, you you sort of parade up and down in front of them. 
Is that on the DVDs? On the DVDs, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I was going to say, I got sent something that um, I actually quite liked the principle of. I didn't didn't love the application, but uh, the principle um, was really, really good, and I thought, ah, that's quite cool. And then I began to think, ah, there's some problems with it. Okay. Um, but it was uh, the Sensio pad. Right. Do you, do you know the Sensio pad? I've not all? heard about that. Mm, don't think so. Um, it's a pad where someone can draw something, anything that they want to. Uh, I think it's Alexis Yiannopoulos. Okay. Um, you can draw anything that you want to, and they'll write something down. Uh, and you've, when the cover is shut, you're able to then get a peek. Huh. Um, and the cover is just literally a, a piece of material. Yeah, piece of card uh, cardstock sort of cover. Oh. Um, yeah, exactly. And so I looked at it and I thought, I really, really like this principle. Um, I didn't like the way it was applied, but I thought the idea had merit. But then uh, thinking about it, uh, in certain environments, I think it would be an instant giveaway uh, as to how it was done. But I, I thought it was quite quite clever. But it was, it, it's has priced. It been has it been released as a prop or has it been released as like an ebook? Where you can no, no, it's, you can it's been it released as a prop, but apparently he does custom work on it. Um, and in fact, he, he, he did send me an email that says, look, anyone who, who you talk to about it, 10% off. Um, but it's not so expensive in the first now, place. Listeners. We're talking to you. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're interested, yeah. it, it is, I think the idea and the, and the principle have merit. It's, it's an interesting setup. It's an interesting, um, it's an interesting idea. Uh, but the way... What's it called? Uh, Sensio pen, and it's only like thirty bucks, thirty-five bucks, something like that. Now with ten percent off as well. Yeah, yeah so right. it's not particularly expensive, but it is something that I would take and I would I would tweak. Like for instance, it's maybe uh, the pad itself is about four inches by three inches. Okay. Um, that really relegates you into a close-up close gig. Yeah. Uh, and and does in, he not translate bigger? Can you not? He he can do it bigger. He, he says he does custom pads and he's done them, um, but. For my environment, lighting would be an issue mm-hmm. for a close-up gig. Um, so you couldn't. It is something that it isn't something that you can use anytime, any place, sort of a thing. But um, I thought, as an idea, as a piece of information, and a piece of kit, it is interesting, uh, and it is something that I'm sure you could probably do more with mm. if you're a bit technical and capable. Sounds interesting. Okay, cool. com proudly sponsors this episode of the Three Mentalist Podcast. All right, here we go. We're back with Original Hustler. It's Lucha's round. Hopefully you've got one truth. You're going to play by the damn rules. Mm-hmm. One truth, two blatant, terrible lies. Let's hear your first one. Well, I've, I've never played this game, so be gentle with me, Ken. Okay. Like right. you usually are. I'll just tickle. Okay, so the first um, thing is... <laughs> I once was invited to an old guy's house to play snooker and I got caught pretending to dry hump a cat when he walked back in the room. <laughs> Tell us about what happened. True! <laughs> <laughs> He's doing it now! True! <laughs> okay. Do you, do you want me to embell- you know, carry on or do you want me to just go to the next one? Yeah, yeah, okay, the second one is I found a wallet on a ferry containing ID cards and money. I took the money... <laughs> And hid the wallet in the ceiling by removing the tiles and throwing it in. <laughs> okay, okay, all right, okay. True! <laughs> the third one, I was out playing when I was around 10 years old and I needed to take a dump. I climbed to the top of a grass hill and dumped 
creating the silhouette for everyone to see. <laughs> oh my god. All right. I told you I've never played this game is, before. Is that boy growing a t- growing a tail? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, that's exactly how it looks. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so tell us about the uh, the very first story. Uh, when he met the man's house. So who's, who's this old man? Yeah. I, I have no idea who he was. Why did you go? Okay, I was playing with <laughs> a friend. How, first of all, how old were you? Uh, about 10. About that kind of age. Okay. So Give you went 10. to an old man's house at the age of 10? Yeah, I was playing on... To play snooker and yeah. see his puppies? I mean, yeah. He said something just... about <laughs> playing snooker. <laughs> well, what it was, me and a friend were playing on the field. And this field was... Was this the, the inspiration for that prediction you did? <laughs> the snooker? The hustler? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we were playing on the field. Um, was this guy's name Jay? I have no idea what his name was. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he, um, he he's actually... He was, <laughs> I'm still waiting for his final decision. So me and my friend are playing on the, the field, which was also the school field from primary school, but we get to use it at the night. Um, and he, I don't know, for whatever reason, I think my friend must have known him, uh, but we got invited back to the house... Uh, and inside the house, he lured us in with the, the fact that he had a full-size t- full snooker table. Uh, and he was playing snooker. Um, and I think he'd gone to go and make a drink or something like that. I am, but bear in mind, when you ask me to, to think back to these stories, these are a long time ago. Absolutely. So I don't know the, the full details. But he'd left the room, and I think he'd gone to go and make a drink or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, his cat jumped up on me, uh, on my lap, and I pretended to do this as he put his head back around the door and saw uh, and it was that kind of thing like well okay what do you, what do, you do now and were your other friends there at the time my friend saw and then he laughed the cat jumped up on your lap what kind of cat was it uh, it was a little ginger thing with furry tail it was a cat okay. a cat you know a ginger cat like ginger. Garfield without the stripes okay. and the lasagna fetish mm. so what did the man say he didn't say anything he just looked at me well, with that disapproving look like to say You've just dry hugged my cat. Yeah, that's like that's, you, you're a weird. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, you were what, 10? Yeah, roughly. Uh, and how, give many take. Mates, how many of you, you and your mates, how many people were there in total? Just, just me and my friend. Oh, just two of you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you're playing pool, did you which No, you snooker. 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 All right. Uh, what colour was the uh, wallpaper in there? Or the walls? Uh, I don't know. It was a long time ago. I'm guessing probably white, something like that. Do you maybe. remember if you won the snooker game? Um... No, I was never very good at snooker. I think he was just sort of batting his balls around a little bit. <laughs> was the uh, was there another child in the house? Uh, maybe locked in the cupboards. I don't know, but I didn't see anyone. What um, the cat? You were hump- you were dry humping it. How- I mean, it was, when we're talking about dry humping it, I didn't know. Yeah, I literally sort of got. Hits, right? Yeah, I was just playing around this ten, cat. I went, ten, 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 ten. and then yeah, he was like bang at the wrong time. And what did the cat do? Uh, the cat did seemed to reciprocate. The cat enjoyed it. What happened? What did the cat well, do? He carried on sitting on my knee. I was stroking really? it as well. I don't think that's true. I think the cat... We had cats growing up. I think the cat would have got up and moved. That movement would have unsettled the lazy cat, mm. and the cat would be, like, getting up and moving. But I, w- I was kind of holding on to... Okay. I, I, think, I think this whole thing is going to be so much censoring. Okay. Next next, next, next statement. Next one. I, um, I'm going to say, first one, cat story, definitely not true. Okay. Uh, second one was, I found a wallet on a ferry containing ID cards and money. I took the money and hid the wallet in the ceiling by removing the tiles and throwing it. How now old this were you? is what I believe. Yeah. <laughs> How old were you? Because my, my wallet went missing on the ferry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would have been maybe 12. Okay. Um, had you committed any other crimes? Like, were you a petty thief as a child? I d- 
a cat in my <laughs> younger years. <laughs> what, yeah, well, what other, have you, like, did you like, used to steal things from the corner shop or anything like that? No, I, I, st- I, I did steal sweets when I was younger. From when I, No, no, from the Picking local... Names. The local um, corner shop, which was not actually on a corner shop, yeah, um, yeah. and that was just uh, friends got into it, and then they sort of say, "Go on, do it, do it." And I remember doing it and feeling really guilty. So you, you um, and who were you with on this ferry? Um, it was a school trip. Okay, so how many of you were there? Uh, maybe sort of sixty people. And when you were doing the stealing of this wallet, well, you you found the wallet, yeah. Um, were your mates around? Were you walking to the toilet at the time? Was it, was there an audience? Were you being? I, I think I would have probably been with um, a couple of friends. Um, I think this is not true. I would probably have been with some, some friends. All right, then I was. I was with a couple of friends, and we were playing video games, like arcade games. Which were on the ferry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Where was the ferry going to? Um, we were going to Germany, but the friend, the ferry wasn't. I'm guessing France and. You want to drive from yeah, there. Yeah, so yeah. how long was this trip then, altogether? What, from leaving the UK and coming back in? Yeah. A week. I think it was a and week. Was, how, how much money did you score? Uh, five pounds. A five pound note. Okay, and you, d- you didn't take any of the credit cards or anything out of the wallet? Um, no, there was just an ID card in there. Oh, an ID card, okay. Was the ID card for another student? Uh, probably, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and you threw it above the tiles? Yeah. How did you remove the tiles? Uh, I climbed up. And knock them on off. What? Um, out of the toilet. You climbed onto the toilet? Yeah. I took, I took the wallet into the toilet, I climbed up onto the toilet, pushed the ceiling tiles up, and threw it in. I'm not buying it. I do. And the reason is because the, the way construction works is if you have, as you would on a ferry, a lot of hydraulic pipes and uh, other things like that, water pipes, electrical lines, things like that, they will hide them commonly behind a suspended ceiling. So that is the bit that's actually selling me. The suspended ceiling, yeah, I got that, but just the way you constructed the story there, I'm not committed. Okay, third story was about, what was that about? It was, uh, and I think he's got too much common sense to go to a strange man's house to play snooker. Mm. I also know that he likes animals more than, mm. than he makes out yeah. in that first story. So to me, the dark horse winner is his little poo adventure here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was out playing when I was around 10 years old and needed to take a dump. I climbed to the top of a glass hill and uh, grass hill and dumped, creating a silhouette for everyone to see. Now, why would he have done it? Now, I, I'm just going to go ahead. Before we ask any questions, when you need to poo, the last thing you want to do is climb a hill. Right, you want to go down into like some undergrowth, don't you? Yeah, so he climbed up to a hill. There is a reason why to climb up to a hill, though, why? because oh, right. we were in the area called the Meadow. And the meadow was, where I grew up in the village, there were sort of three schools. There was the infant school, the primary school, and the comprehensive. The comprehensive was a big, sprawling comprehensive, about 1,500, 1,600 students. And there was a giant field at the back, uh, which was on three tiers. So it kind of, I'm going to have to draw it, but you guys will see what I mean. There's a top tier, then it went down an embankment to a middle tier, down an embankment to a bottom one. That makes sense. Uh, and then you do athletics on one of them, football and rugby on the other. And oh, some right. so the different areas were used for like different... But at yeah. the end of that was a... How would you describe it? Like a bridle way, like a, okay. a, a back lane. Um, and people would walk up and down the back lane walking their dogs, but on the, the other side of that was the meadow. And essentially it was like a grass bowl. Like a little little valley. Yeah, you would. It was surrounded. A valley that no one could see into. But all my friends were there, so I wasn't going to take a dump there. I was going to climb up. How far away were you from your house? 
Uh, probably a 10 minute walk, something like that. Okay. Um, and at the top of the hill, it sort of then receded back and there was all the woodlands there. It okay. was an autumn night and I remember as the sun was going down, it was all bright orange glow, um, which created a really nice silhouette. I actually changed my mind on the fly. I was going to go up and into the woods and then thought, hang on, look at me, guys. And I could do this whole so silhouette thing. how did you clean your backside? I wiped it on a leaf because it was in the middle of autumn. There was lots of brown leaves around. On the top of a hill? Wasn't the hill bare? No, because behind it was where all the woodlands were. Read oh. your statement again now. Let me open it up again. It says, I was out playing when I was around 10 years old and needed to take a dump. I climbed to the top of a grass hill and dumped, creating a silhouette for everyone to see. Okay. If the trees mm. are on one side of him yeah. and the bowl is down here to see? the left, there would be no silhouette because the sun, by definition, would have to be behind you on the horizon to create that silhouette. The trees were in between any sun that could have been... That could have created that silhouette. So that one, you're not sure. But bearing in mind, I, as I'm at the top of the hill, I'm the one looking out and sees the sun going down. So for me, if you could see the sun going down, yeah, and the sun so, wasn't behind you. Well, yeah. bearing in mind, I'm only descri- I'm describing this story from my perspective. Whether they saw a silhouette or not, I don't know. But to me, everything was silhouette because the sky was going down. So no, I, I think I think he's I think he's. Wrangling I think he's okay. He will have chosen his word correctly to make silhouette. I mean, he, I, I think it's got to be the middle one. I think it's got to be the fairy and the money. Find out after these messages. Massive shout out to our sponsors for this episode at mysticdescendant.com, the latest, newest, and most loveliest of mentalism publications. Go check it out. All right, we're back, and I need to make my, my sort of judgment. I find this one really tricky because um, I really don't want to agree with Atlas on anything in life, uh, and particularly not this. Um, I don't. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with try humping a cat. What's the truth? Yeah. I'm going to go with the fairy. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. Luch, what's the answer? Well, the dry humping a cat was actually a dog. And it, <laughs> I'm so and sad that there wasn't just like a straight line. <laughs> and it was a semantical And trick. it wasn't me. It was my friend who got caught dry oh, humping good. the dog. Mm. Um, but you still went into an old stranger's house. Yeah, that was that was true. Um, it <laughs> wow. wasn't it wasn't me that needed to go for a poo. It was my best friend what did it and climbed up and we saw the silhouette and he did wipe his ass on a leaf, and we then teased him for years afterwards because we kept calling <laughs> pants. Um, and yes, I found a wallet on a ferry. Ding and ding. I took ding. the five pounds out and threw it inside the te- uh, the ceiling tiles. And I felt so guilty after doing it. I was like, I think I thought to myself, I was like, I've only done that because I had my friends around trying to show off to them when you were younger. We were on our way to a school trip to Germany. And afterwards I thought, you you horrible little And uh, that was me out of it at that point. I didn't bother, I didn't do anything like that. I remember finding uh, an actual wad of cash afterwards uh, and actually taking it to the police station and handed it in like a few years later because I didn't want to repeat it. Yeah, life, just like five pounds in someone's wallet and that changed how you feel about that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, completely. So if you could really read minds, what would you do? 
And I assume that you can read minds whenever you want to, or you can't switch it off, which which is... What do you th- I mean, open discussion. Well, if, if we agree on what that would entail, as in, like Alice said, you can't switch it off. It was just something you heard thoughts. Okay. When you tuned in, you heard thoughts. Right. When you concentrated. I mean, to, to be fair, off, off mic, we just had a discussion about this a little bit to some extent. And actually, it's kind of fascinating. Let's... Let's turn on the mic and record this because one of the things we we'd said was, I mean, if you if you could read minds, and you found out someone had done something untoward, mm. you could either avoid them or you know if you were would you report them to police? Would you keep it to yourself? Would you blackmail them? What, I mean, what? Yeah, right, yeah. It depends on, I suppose, your um, your moral compass. Yeah, big time. Because it'd be fun to like Groundhog Day, you know. Because like, you'd, you'd instantly know if someone liked you. Yeah. If you're a single guy, you'd instantly know if someone liked you. Yeah. So the moral compass does make a big uh, difference on this. But you know, like Groundhog Day, right. when he gets to the point where he wakes up and he knows every morning he wakes up, it's the same thing. He's faced with the same stuff. So he starts to explore his moral compass and he knows that the day later he can make it up. Right. So like, he walks around the corner and there's that guy asking for something. He just punches him in the mouth. So he knows he's going <laughs> to yeah, see yeah, yeah. The, like the same day. I think if you wake up, uh, you can explore different facets of your personality that might be slightly darker. And you you would be exploring it in a whole diff- whole realm of different. It is ways. funny to think about it, isn't it? Because the reason a lot of people get into doing this is because we start to think, wouldn't it be good to know what people are thinking, or wouldn't mm. it be good? You know, wouldn't it be incredible? And people who we meet, who we, they see our shows, or they hear what we do, they're well, like, they, oh, I'd love to be a great yeah. power to have. What do they think they want to do with that power? Because I think the truth is. They really don't know what they want to do with that power. I don't think most mentalists have ever actually thought about what it would be like to have those real powers. What no, would you do? And, and at the end of the day, I think why do people why do people want that power? Is it is it because of an in, in, in an eight need to communicate and to be understood and to understand? I think to understand for sure. I mean, to take all the guesswork out of relationships mm-hmm. and interpersonal. Well, the interesting contact. thing is, you guys asked the question. No one straight away said, "I'd stand on stage and do a show." Absolutely. So. No. Do you know what I mean? That's we do that because we pretend to read minds and it's entertainment. I think that's the only way to get it out there though, because I think if I if I was just sitting in a cafe and all I had was this noise of people's thoughts all the time, I I well, remember it's, it's only if you if you concentrate, you can tune in. Okay. Like if you look over at a concentration, you, you, a conversation between two women, you'd be like concentrate and you can hear it. Okay. Move on. You know what the next one is. Yeah. But oftentimes you could. How's that any different than eavesdropping on a couple next to you? Okay. It's, so it's say for example, say for it? example, if you're walking down the street, and well, obviously there, there are things that aren't said in a conversation. A, that a people guy. Think. But mental eavesdropping. Yeah. yeah. Right, you're walking down the street and there's a guy sat on a bench. Yeah. Right. And as you walk over, you sort of, you notice them, and as you do, you tune in and you hear them think that guy looks like a complete. <laughs> yeah. What would you do? Would you walk on by? Would you smile? Would you go and prove them wrong and be nice? Yeah, I, what, my personality is I want to prove him wrong. So I would go over there and be like the nicest guy ever. I mean, what options have you got? You could go up and say, no, I'm not a complete and then freak them out and walk off. Mm. The, the point is, is that if this is a lifelong skill that you have, you could do whatever you want. I think that yeah, would I, I think, time. I think, you know, it would, it would obviously... I, I don't know. You say, why, why has none of us said, get on a stage and, and perform with it? Uh... I think you could make money very easily if yeah. you had that skill set, if you had that ability. Um, it would even be as easy as you know someone thinks of their pin number on their card, or do you know what I mean? If you're if you're inclined towards an innate evil, you'll you'll make money off people instantly and without their 
being aware of having given any information away. Would you let people know that you have this gift, this power? That's another question, isn't it? It's like the invisible man. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, to, 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 to myself. Yeah, in many ways, it's like the invisible man conundrum where if you were invisible, what would you do with it? Would, would you let everyone know? Um, as soon as someone's aware that there's an invisible man, you sort of becomes a, a challenge to, um, to stay invisible. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you'll probably get some kind of negative attention. You also, I think there'll be a great... If the word about you got out, there would be some not-so-savoury characters, probably... Well, the government would take an interest. Yeah, You'd be a nightmare for... You wouldn't be able to live a quiet life. No, absolutely not. Like you'd have lots of people asking you to do things you really don't want to do and adding pressure to you to do those. So, so what's, what's the point of being yours? a mind-reading recluse, though? Because mind-reading is the ultimate tool in communication. It's the ultimate form of communication... Why would you then, if you could read minds, why would you then hide yourself away from everyone? Or maybe, maybe the things that you found there would be too frightening. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it would be too dark. See, it kind of reminds me of... Maybe it would be underwhelming. I mean, to be honest, when people say, oh, I really love to be able to read people's minds, if you read my mind most of the day, what I think about is very boring. Hmm. Like, I'm thinking about what we're going to have for dinner, or I'm going to think about uh, which book shall I order on Amazon, or I'm thinking about... Very, I don't think about anything that's really interesting. So in many ways, people will come evolve, uh, not from just from you, but come away from people thinking, what a bunch of really uninvolved animals. Yeah, and also... Is that, like, is that what you're postulating? No, I'm thinking, the, I'm sort of thinking about the other way around, really, that the person with the mind-reading skill, um, I think, would become underwhelmed and realise, actually, there's nothing really to discover. Like, okay, it well, doesn't matter. Do you, think, do you think it would help him plumb the depths of human characteristics more earnestly? Yes, I think, would, to, I think that person be would able to go, People just want to be loved, or people just want to be understood, right. or Absolutely. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right, would, so yeah. what, what about if you sat in a cafe, uh-huh. there's a guy sat across from you, and he's got a rucksack on the floor, and you can hear him think, um, yeah, I'm going to walk down this street, wait till 10.30, and uh, all the people will be there, and at that point I can detonate. Yeah. Uh, what happens then? Do you, do you can you you can become almost like you know someone who uh, become a hero in a way? You can you can mm. stop things, mm-hmm. or you can take a step back and you can watch them happen. You, in a way, you're almost playing like a bit of a god role in, in some aspects. It's only a superhero thing, isn't it? I think yeah. At that point, you'd have to step up to the mark, wouldn't you? you know well, that becomes it's your moral compass. What do you do? You have to do something. You have to step in. It's like a video game. You're like, are you chaotic evil, or are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know? In a way, that would make a really cool video game. What we're right, talking now, right? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like a, a, a sandbox style game where you can explore a city or a world, and you can pick up on these kind of things. What do you do? But I think in general, yes, a, a greater understanding for the human race and for like the but human what, condition, right, is is interesting. But then. Also, like you said, there's this overcrowding of all these intentions people have and whether you want to intervene because it's that whole thing. If you start intervening, what's the knock-on effect? I feel like the butterfly effect. You start changing small little things. And it has a wider implication. And then suddenly you become this kingpin, this keystone, this butterfly who starts having a knock-on effect and changing the world. And you don't really... I think for one person, if it's only one person who has that without guidance, I think it's... So what, what about the idea of Maslow's, excuse me, Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Yeah. Where, I mean, once you're sort of settled with shelter, food, shelter, water, yeah. all, all this other stuff, idea. then you start looking outward. Do you think you get to a point at the top of the pyramid where you're literally looking out for everybody? Or again, is that... The self-actualization, the top level? Yeah, but you self-actualize through making everyone's life better. 
the problem is is that you're gonna you're gonna send yourself like a lot of really you know the real geniuses they send themselves crazy because of the way they think and overthink and overanalyze. Or is it you would definitely be driven crazy? You're gonna go yeah, do you nuts. think it would be like building sandcastles against the tide sort of a thing? Is is there enough of a knock-on effect that you could have? I think, I think got, as well. It's, it's, sorry, go there's got to be a, a, a point in time where you've got to say, "There's only so much I can do." Look at Spider-Man. You know, he has all, you know, all these people going, "Help me with this!" and "Oh, Superman, help me with this! Help me with that!" Superman, Superman, Superman. There are those episodes where you see him being like. I don't know whether to go and help the woman whose baby's in front of the, on the train track or to help the guy who's dangling from the But remember, you can only hear the thoughts. Like like, can can you imagine if you tune into something and they say, um, okay, there's going to be an assassination attempt on the Queen. Mm-hmm. Right? And you go to the police with a photograph of someone and say, this guy's planning to kill the police. What's going to happen? Kill the Queen, yeah. Well, you're going to get arrested and say, how the... How do, they, how do you yeah, know that? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, a reliable yeah, tip. Yeah, you know? yeah. But by then, <laughs> presumably, you could have built up a track record. Well, as soon as you say it, you know, yeah. this is so... You can even call in and say, this is so-and-so, here's a hot tip for you, boom, and all the other ones have come true, so they can then begin be, to intervene. All the, all the super, superhero movies and shows, at some point, the superhero becomes the suspect because it's like, hang on, if you know all these things, you're the only person yeah. who can do this, surely that means you're well, linked they, to they all this. You're the say, Moriarty of the whole thing. And if you tell them what you can do, and they say, well, you prove it, and they could lock you in a room and you can't hear anyone, you can't tune into anything. Right. It's becoming right. an, an interesting... What an, what an interesting character that would make. Imagine that you're, that you're migrating show, you go out in a mask and make claims that you've fed information to MI6 that mm-hmm. stopped this, this, or this. Mm-hmm. And you literally go out there and, and do your show and prove that you can read minds mm-hmm. and, and say, but this, is, this show is for fun, this show is for you. You know, but uh, you know, obviously, it would, it would have a darker undertone to it. Mm-hmm. But you can say, "I work closely." You know, I I can't take the mask off. You can't know who I am. I work closely with mm-hmm. MI six. You know, and of course, they'll deny it. But of course, everyone visually expects them nice. to deny I mean, it. And you could stand behind a sheet or the projection, so it's like a silhouette of you. Yeah, and that like an Alfred Hitchcock yeah. sort of uh, really nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like those witnesses on the TV shows. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? To think about if you could really do it, what would mm. that? What would you do with it? But also, what would, what would the limitation? Your life would be, I think, by having that ability, not only, we often think about what the opportunities that presents us, but also the limitations you have. That, that will limit yeah. you in certain would it, ways as would well. It, would it make it so that you could ever really have... A date or a main a happy, relationship? Yeah, a happy absolutely. relationship. Yeah. Where every time you do something, you know instantly what that means, what, what, what they thought. Yeah, exactly. Wow, it's really interesting. We're getting deep on this episode of Three Men to Walk Talk, the podcast, guys. Well, I think we've established that we wouldn't stand and do a stage show. Or maybe you would, behind, behind a curtain. Mystic Descendant. Insight, inspiration, and practical advice for mentalists. Proudly sponsoring the Three Mentalist Podcast. Go to mysticdescendant.com. So Kennedy's turn. Kennedy's turn in our, uh, in our original hustle game here. Okay. Three statements. I'll give you all three. So here's the first one. As the surprise entertainment, I was once introduced at a Jewish party as a Jewish friend from a guy's work with a Jewish name I was given. What was the name? I can't can't remember the name, so I I literally can't remember. Um, uh, um, Number two, statement number two. I was once wrongly billed as an Irish mentalist for a church event, so I had to proceed with the whole show doing a really terrible Irish accent. Statement number three, 
I did a Find the Item stunt in the city of York, live on the TV news and on BBC Radio York, and failed to find the object. Now that does sound like you. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, these are all terrible. Uh, I do believe we've had a discussion about the Irish thing before. But I believe that was what you were going to say for the next time. From the last time. I remember thinking that you were... Uh, you Can said something about story? it, and yeah. I think you you said I was going to go with that story. But right, so let's 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 go in order here. Tell us about the um, the, so the first. surprise entertainment. So I get this gig, and I caught this. There's a Jewish, and so please forgive me. I don't remember the name of the festival. There's a festival in in, in Jewish culture, which is um, to do, which is very much about having the friends and family around and drinking and eating a lot. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what that's called. So I get this gig, I go on the trains all the way down in London, they put me in this nice hotel, it's at this guy's house. He says, but I want you to be a surprise. How'd you get this gig? Um, I think he just emailed me or something like that. Um, yeah, it would have been like a gig inquiry. This was probably only, it was before, it was probably about six years ago. Okay. Six years ago. And he opens the door and he says, I'm going to interview you. I've told you that my friends come, I've told everybody, all my guests, my friends and family, that I've got this friend from work coming along and uh, you're him and, you're, and you're, you're a Jewish guy and your name is whatever he said. I can't remember. It was a very traditional Jewish name. And uh, he said, you're going to be that guy. And I'm thinking, well, how am I going to pull this off? I know very little about the Jewish faith uh, or any of the traditions or any of anything. I think and, and I have to sit down and have dinner with them now. This is going to be really tough. So that's what happened. So what was the motivation for him doing he, that? He wanted me to be the surprise guest that suddenly I was the mind reader and ha 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 ha. But why did you have to be a fellow Jewish guy? Why because that's you... why I was invited to this Jewish celebration. What? It was a Jewish event. But I, I got invited to a Jewish event and I wasn't got told to be Jewish. No, absolutely. And it was totally unnecessary. But I think he wanted to make it more of a surprise. That's why I think. So how, how long was this gig? How many hours did you have to pull this off? So I sat around the table for I mean, it felt like forever. I was probably only there for 45 minutes before I then broke character, broke Jewish character <laughs> and, and became the mind reader. And at which point did you introduce yourself as Kennedy? Yes. Okay. Um, so for 45 minutes, yeah, I just sat you were this other guy. Yeah. And you can't remember... The very Jewish name it was? I haven't got a clue, no. I, I remember I sort of, the way I, I dealt with it is I just sort of brushed off any sort of knowledge I needed to do with Judaism. I, and I just sort of talked about other things or I, put, yeah, I sort of pretended this really sort of quiet guy. I thought, how's this quiet, <coughs> reserved, nervous person who didn't really say much, that I wouldn't have to say much. See, Ken said, when he was writing down his three things, he, he very cleverly threw in the word, you have to think of your truth first and write it down. And if he's reading these out from start to finish, then he wants us to believe that the first one was the truth. But then he might have done a bit of copy and pasting, and I think he might be trying to play as this. I think yeah, this one none of this sounds true to me. Yeah, a bit of bullshit. None of it sounds true. Really? I think if you had been some alter ego for 45 minutes, mm-hmm. you'd still remember who that was. It would have been a story. You're a storyteller. You'd have been living and eating off this story for years. You no, have no, heard I mean, about this. It was before. a long time ago. How yeah, long you ago? Known the name. How long ago was it? Right at the start of your performing career? No, or it was what? probably like six years ago, something like that. Yeah, not that long ago. Um, <laughs> second thing, um, I was once wrongly billed as an Irish mentalist for a church event 
So I had to proceed with the whole show doing, I must say doing, dipping in and out of a terrible Irish accent. Can you do that Irish accent for us now? (laughs) Brilliant. No, I really don't. Come on, we've got to see. We've got to test the plausibility. Okay. <laughs> but this was in Newcastle, so at least I wasn't in Ireland when I had to. But Come on then, let's hear it. Oh no, I, what will I say? What, what, what would... Was it a stand-up show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so you, you done your church. set. Well, you know your set then, don't you? Yeah. So give us a line from one of your um, effects in this Irish accent. Okay, all right. So, um... <laughs> uh, the hardest bit of all of this... No, 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 let's hear the Irish accent. All right, so, um... Say wonky-eyed midget in an <laughs> Irish accent, because we know that was in the show. <laughs> <laughs> You had a wonky-eyed midget. Ah. Oh, that was actually pretty convincing. Okay. I want more, though. Yeah, I want to hear it. Okay. Take us through the, uh, one of the effects. Uh, okay. So we're your audience. You've Say, got... if you have this envelope, then you'll be a wonky-eyed midget. Right, okay. So you've got, um, we've got three envelopes. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. Three envelopes. You've got a red one and a blue one or a green one. Please make your choice. Yeah. Nah, he, he lost a blue one and green <laughs> one. Trump, Harry. Look at you. Sit down there. I remember, I remember what he said. He told me that he was once introduced as an Irish message, and he thought about doing an Irish accent all the way through, but I'm positive he decided that was a bad idea, as it was a bad idea. <clears throat> did people call you out on the accent? Did they believe you? Oh, they knew you weren't Irish. What did they say? Are you really from Ireland? <laughs> It so was what, really awkward. Why did you dip in it? So read the, read the statement again. Okay, I was once wrongly billed as an Irish mentalist for a church event, so I had to proceed with the whole show doing a terrible Irish accent. I hope so he says true. he says no. He, he says he did the whole show in the statement, hmm. but if he's been caught out, he'll have dropped the accent. So that it was, was called out after the show. But you keep saying that you dipped in and out of it, so that's not doing the whole show. I mean, I. I the reason I, I think got we've caught him out, here. The yeah, reason I, I got caught out was because my Irish accent was so bad; it was dipping in and out. That's what I mean by dipping. Out. I mean, mm. But but what sane person would would go onto the stage and not just go? I was introduced as being from Ireland. Actually, I'm from it's Newcastle. Because, right, it was for this little church in Pontyland, which is just outside of Cramlington, where I was brought up. And this family, and they were so nice, had booked me for this thing, and it was some annual thing for the church. And they'd done such a good job, and they created terrible little posters. And it was like the, the renowned Irish mentalist, and they'd really put lots of effort into it. I just, you know, when you haven't got the heart to tell this, like this ancient couple who are like born and bred through the church, and you think, oh, I've got to just do it for them. And that's why I did it. Yeah. Let's move on to the next one. I would call bullshit on that yeah, one. Yeah, I okay. completely don't believe it. Right. I, I did a find the item stunt in the city of York live, which was live, um, kept coming back, back to, I'll just read the statement, um, live on TV News and BBC Radio York and failed to find the object. Okay, what were you doing in York? I already had an existing relationship with BBC Radio York hmm. because I'd already been on one of their shows. Be- I don't know why I was on one of their shows. I- and so I thought, well, I'm, I want to do one of those stunts because it would be quite a cool thing. Was this so- the one that, where you they interviewed you about cold reading and things like that? No. Where was that? Which one? Where was uh, what? what BBC was that? The, the, that was, the interview on cold reading was Newcastle. Okay. This was York. Hmm. That's 100% right. Have you seen any footage or anything from BBC York? I've not. So I'm wondering whether this is true, but it was actually BBC at Newcastle. No, see, here's my question. Mm-hmm. You're doing a finding the object. What object were you looking for? We never found it. <laughs> that was also part of it. So I set a prediction ahead of time. And I said, you can hide any object. 
and um, and then I not only have to find out find the needle in the haystack, but I don't even know what the needle's going to be. And so I did it. And they could have hidden it anywhere. Anywhere in, in the in the in the main city of York. I had to be able to walk to it from the centre. Okay, talk us through what happened and the whole setup on that one. So, uh, what method and everything? Well, no, talk us through no, the day the when you realise that you have, you know, you're going to mess well, yourself. Well, I thought I still had. I thought I was still going to get it. I went to the place where I were you using Hellstromism or what were you using? It looked like Hellstromism, yeah. um, but I, I had a friend who was actually in a, a, a reporter. Oh, this is burglism then. <laughs> you were doing. Uh, and I had another friend as a backup. I had another friend called Alex. Uh, follow the guy. I call bullshit. He hasn't got any friends. <laughs> <laughs> he actually followed. So he would. He was following this guy around to make sure he actually. So before it was, I met the guy in the morning. I said, I want you to go and think of an object um, that you have or you can find. I want you to go and hide it somewhere in the city of York um, to make sure. And then the reporter, my reporter friend, said to make sure that Kennedy can't cheat and to make sure that it's all above board. Please write down the details of what the object's going to be and where you're going to hide it on this clipboard. Did that, and then my friend Alex was outside of the coffee shop we met in, and he followed the guy to make sure he literally did hide it in the place he said it was going to hide it. And unfortunately, the guy changed his mind as to where he was going to hide it. Yeah. So, I never nice, found, so I never found it. Is right. he still there now? <clears throat> Probably, I don't know. Here's, here's my other question for you. You said this was on live TV. It was and on live. It radio. wasn't like one constant stream though. They kept coming back to me. Obviously, they can't just sit and be like, "And now he's walking down the street." They kept coming back to me. So, how long were you on TV for? Those clips were spread over. I was told I had to finish it within the morning segment of the show. So I purposely. What was the show? Um, whatever the news breakfast show was in the area. So you know they keep coming back to the local news. Mm-hmm. That's what it was, it was. It was part of that ongoing story. Kennedy still. And you don't remember them. You don't remember the name of the show or anything like that? It was just, the, you know, it doesn't have a name. It's the local, whatever the BBC news thing's called. You know, when they go, and now the news in your area. Yeah, it's like Look North or... Yeah. yeah. They yeah. do have a little name for them. Oh, I haven't got a clue. And how long ago was this? Ooh, I don't know. Um, seven or eight years ago? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So when you realised you had to bow out, how did you do it? Um, I just said that, I, I, you know, I've, I've got, you know, that the guy was focusing on the original place. Because the guy said, oh, I thought about putting it in that place that you've just been to, but then I changed my mind. Uh, and I, sort of, I think I just sort of palmed it off with, oh, well, that's kind of, that's pretty much close enough. And what did the, uh, the anchor's response? Uh, they were like, they were really supportive, actually. I mean, I was only, you know, I was younger then and, uh, and sort of, yeah. And they, I can't remember what they said. They sort of said... Uh, what did they say? They said, well, you know, we kind of got close and can you try and, you know, and, and well, maybe we'll come back to him later. And I just don't think they ever did. Right. So read through your three statements again. Okay. As the surprise entertainment, I was once introduced at a Jewish party as a Jewish friend from the guys, from a guy's work. Statement number two, I was once wrongly billed as an Irish mentalist for a church event. So had to proceed with the whole show doing a terrible Irish accent. I did a find the item stunt in the city of York, live on TV news and BBC Radio York, and failed to find the object. Well, I, I believe it's one of the first two. I'm really leaning towards... Oh, I don't want to lean to any of these. Me, I'm thinking it's going to know one of these little technicality things. I, as daft as it sounds, the Irish thing, knowing him, it's probably true. And I'm tempted to say that the York thing 
It might have been broadcast on BBC York, but was it broadcast on local TV as well? See, I'll tell I, you, I, I'd I'll have tell thought. You one thing is, it's not a technicality. I, I two, see, them are, two are out and out, completely not true. Okay. I'd have believed... I would have believed that um, had he failed on TV, we'd have heard the story earlier in the podcast when we talked about failures and mistakes and things like that. I believed you're a funny enough guy to have turned it into a, an entertaining story. But so bear again, in mind that when I wrote these down, I also said, God, I hadn't thought about that for years until just now. I don't even know why it came to me. And that's true. Yeah, but that could have been the... Any, uh, any of the two, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Now, I remember you specifically saying something to me about the Irish accent, and this is what... I wish I paid more attention to the nonsense you say. <laughs> um, have your answers, gentlemen? In fact, we'll take your answers after this word from our sponsors. Hey everyone, Atlas here. I wanted to talk for a moment about Mystic Descendant. Look, there's been Magic Magazines, there's uh, Genie, there's, there's lots of different magazines geared towards magicians. Very rarely do you see something of high quality geared towards mentalists. So we had the Jinx, and I think that was pretty much the last one besides Syzygy. It's, it's been decades. Do your best to support Mystic Descendant by visiting www.mysticdescendant.com. Right, we're back. Luch, it's time for you and I to commit what we believe can... So, was that a surprise entertainment introduced at a Jewish party as, as a Jewish friend from the guy's work? Was I wrongly billed as an Irish mentalist for a church event, so I had to proceed the whole show with a terrible Irish accent? Um, I, or did I do a Find the Item stunt in the city of York, live on TV news and BBC Radio York, and fail to find the object? Right, I know what I'm going to go with. I think he actually found the object. Yeah, I think you wouldn't have failed. So I think that's a fail. Um, I, I remember him saying something about the Irish thing, but I don't believe that he pulled it off for the whole show. I'm going to go with the Jewish party. It's the blandest, most uninteresting story, and I think that that's, I think that that's part of his ploy here. So I'm committed. Yeah, I think the, tr the truth is either the Jewish or the Irish thing. Um, Alice has gone for the truth being the Jewish one. Yeah. Yep. So, just to have a bit more range in there, I'll go the truth on the um, the Irish thing. <laughs> but that's just a sort of, one of us are going to win, one of us is not. The truth is I did a find the item stunt in the city of York, no. on TV news, and failed to find the object. He failed to find Absolutely it. Absolutely failed. He wrote down the one thing and didn't. he changed it. I got the item right, but I didn't find the object. Why have we never heard this story before? <laughs> I'd forgotten about it until today. I was like, oh yeah. But we revel in hearing about your failures. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Ew, we're back, Atlas, with your new feature. Show us your feature. Get yeah. your feature out. <laughs> right, so we're back, and uh, I think we're going to try and do something that we've never done here before. We've, we've we're going to try and talk about mentalism. <laughs> Right. Well, actually, that's and not what we're going to be doing. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. The opposite. Yeah. Okay, so we've got a new feature here. We have each written down two kind of questions or statement questions sort of in front of us. Uh, each of us has wadded up two paper balls on which we've written something. Ken has two in front of him. Luch has two in front of him. I have two in front of me. And what we're going to do is we're going to, at random, I'm going to grab one of Ken's paper balls. Luch yeah. will take the other. Ken will grab one of my paper balls and one from Luch. And, uh, and so on. We'll each, yeah. 
we're going to end up with questions that we then have to discuss yeah. the answers to. Mm-hmm. And, and they're not mentalism related. This is more... Just life. Kind of, yeah, more actually related. a little mentalism related, but just to happen to be. Okay. So well, do you want to take here we go. Mind? I will. Uh, I will take this one from Ken. Okay. And no, why don't you just do it? Make it simple so we don't get confused. Just do the mind first, and you could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's fine. So Luch has a question from Ken. I have a question from Ken. So we'll do uh, as first. I'll open up mine here first, uh, and it says, and this is a Ken-generated question: Which member of the Beatles? Would have made the best mentalist. Who now? See, instinctively, you yeah. want to say John, don't you? Right. But I, I don't think it would have been John. I think it would have been. Why not John? Well, he's too obvious, isn't he? He's. He he was. I think Ringo. If he was it's, me, it's a good mentalism yeah. name, isn't it? Well, just the fact that he's a draw. You know, he had the rhythm. He carried the rhythm. And he was a bit of a hipster, weren't he? So, he's kind so of we've like got Paul, John, George, and Ringo. I want to say George, I honestly think, would have made the best mentalist. Because I yeah. think I think he was less flippant and he was more thoughtful. And therefore, he would have been more believable. I couldn't believe anything Paul would have said. <laughs> uh, and John, I, I certainly think... He, I mean, he, I think he would have been a good psychic mentalist. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. he's got that sort of wackadoo, hippy-dippy feel to him. But... <laughs> Um, Ringo, <laughs> Ringo, I think lacks credibility, but I think George had the gravitas about him. He was always sort of the thoughtful one, so I think you, I think he would have made the best mentalist. Okay. Mm. All right. Your question now, Luke. Well, let's open it up and have a little look at what Ken has wrote. I can't even know where I put that. Of course you can. Okay. Oh, yeah. How many? I'm guessing this is meant to be sachets. Yeah, I can't spell. Yeah, you've spelled that wrong. Of malt vinegar. Oh, my God. Are you illiterate, Ken? I'm dyslexic, you spoon. Are you really? Yes. Um, have you not read Baron? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because... Whoa, wow. How many sachets... How many of malt vinegar could you drink before lomiting, vomiting, um, dying, or giving up? Um, well, that sounds like a fucking challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Bring forth the vinegar. There was a bottle over there. Yeah. Um, how many sachets? What, those little tiny... The ones that you get in Morrison's Cafe. Before vomiting, dying, or giving up. What do you, how many do you reckon you Well, could I get? think it would probably be... How, how Does it have to be that particular brand of vinegar? It's pr- I mean, malt vinegar. Malt vinegar. Malt vinegar. Malt vinegar. So it has to be malt. It couldn't be like balsamic or anything. No, no, no. Or it has to be white malt vinegar, vinegar. Like fish and chips vinegar. Yeah, okay. malt vinegar. Um, it's a bit more mild, isn't it? I'm not a huge vinegar guy, but isn't that a bit no, more mild? No, it's really than... sharp. Best oh, thing, to, best thing to do is to grab that sarsens there and just put a drop on and, and taste it. No, no, I've, I've tasted fish and chip vinegar. I, I know what it is. I, I, I would have thought balsamic was no, stronger. No, balsamic's like milder, isn't it? Um, no, balsamic's sweet. Well, it depends. If you, you can get like um, oh, I could drink both. In all fairness, <laughs> you could drink both. Yeah. How many sachets do you reckon you could get through? What is vinegar? What? Isn't it wine that's acetic gone off acid? Or? Acetic acid. Yeah, it's an that's acid. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Before vomiting, I think the first thing for me, I, I would give up before I vomited. I think. I don't know. It depends what he does when he goes. The thing is, I, I can, if if you're having something like chips and you put vinegar on oh, them, I, I could really drench them in that. Yeah. I think I'll probably just give up. Either. What about just? I wouldn't do it. No, 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 how many? Yeah, you, oh, you can't say know. I opt out. Otherwise, the questions are pointless. Well, then you're just guessing. Um, oh, no! <laughs> no you, yeah. And you're just having fun. And where but will the world just, be? It's just random. Germany. Right, what if yeah. I... 
If I just if I said ten, then what are you gonna say? Oh, prove it. Yeah. If I said one, no, you could. I, I would say if you said ten, surely you could do eleven. I think. Mm. You I mean, if you've done the ten, I think maybe what happens is as you start into it, you think, oh, this is gonna be rotten. But then you kind of get used to it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You get to I a point where you're like, especially... Yeah, I'm wondering what But at that, that point, you know you're going like for a record. Yeah, in your stomach, as it goes down in your stomach, that's not going to be nice. You would either vomit or give up. I think you're, yeah. you're going to be... You give up because you feel like you're going to be sick. Like, it's going to hurt. I mean, but how many till you give up? How many do you reckon it would be? Sachets. It's quite a lot of a sachet. You I'm going to say about six or seven. Yeah, I think that you'd be pushing it at six or seven. Yeah. What do you how reckon? big are these sachets? Not yeah, big. But, but like the size of a, a sugar packet, right? Hand, yeah, but remember how like it's, it's a liquid, so you you can do a whole bowl of chips with one sachet. Like, and that's enough. You could, but I would probably, I'd probably put three. Put two. Oh, I'll put two. But okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So you're saying what? Seven or eight? I'm gonna say six, six or seven. Six or seven. Okay. Before I feel ill. Okay. Love it. All right, let's uh, let's screw up Atlas's terrifying questions and see what we're up to. All right, that leaves you. With Can I that. go first? Yeah, go ahead, Ken. All right, so Sasha, Sasha, Atlas. Oh God! This says you have to live in a blind person's house for three days without them discovering that you are there. How would you do it? That's brilliant. <laughs> I just called <laughs> to say. I'd put Stevie Wonder. I'm living here now. I love you. Um, uh, well, because you're I... gonna have to shower. You're gonna have to go to bed. You're gonna have to eat the food. You're gonna have to, have, you know. Right, right, right. Does um, he go out to work or this blind person? Are they always in the house? Yeah. They're always in the house. You're okay. not gonna get a shower then, are you? Really? Yeah, I am. But I'm gonna like. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the doorknobs of the living room, so they're like, why can't I get out of the living room? And well, why is there somebody in my shower and they can't get out of the living no, room? No, no, they have to know that they have to not know that you're there. Yeah, but they might think it's a leak, and they'd be like, oh, I, I would convince them that they're going crazy, so I'd make other noises. So I'd like walk past them, like wafting things and making noises and make them think that the house is haunted. The whole yeah, that surely though, wouldn't they go? Who's there? Yeah, but and then the game's up. No, they wouldn't know I was there. You'd have no. The and to point be honest, is, no, you... I know. Ah, 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 ah. If they said who's that, I'd say Atlas, because they wouldn't know that I was there. Oh, They'd think that somebody else was there. But it says without discovering you are there. Yeah. So I without would... discovering you. So if 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 someone speaks, they know someone is there. Okay. Yeah. I would just. I think I would sort of start by making the kitchen tap like drip. Mm. That'll be the first thing, and the next thing I would like go to maybe like a downstairs bathroom, which is like a little t- you know little toilet with a little sink, and I would turn the tap on there and make it so that oh there's something going on with my plumbing. So that and then eventually when they, and I would also wait till the middle of the night. But what if they just walked up to their kitchen sink and turned the handle and the dripping went away? Well, they might just think because in my house that happens because the pressure is so weird in my right. house, so that could be happening. Um, so that would solve that would sort of get me towards. How, let, let me let me just ask you a simple question. How would you deal with going to the bathroom? Um, how would I? Do? So, <laughs> if it was a man and he's standing there having a wee, I have to stand next to him and have a wee. <laughs> and have to Synchronized. <laughs> go 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 go! Stop! Stop! No, stop! <laughs> I can tell you from decades of experience in men's bathrooms, when they come stand next to me, I can't go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 so you're never gonna, that's never gonna work. No, it's not gonna work. Um, unless, no. Ha- I've faked going to the bathroom. Oh my god, I would piss in his toilet, I would piss in his sink. 
you should take a piss in his carpet and make it smell, then he'd be like, I'm going to move out. And then you can go and have a shower then. Yeah, you think it's He's not there. He's going to get some fresh air. Yeah, yeah, I, I would pee in the sink. You could never flush the toilet, could you? No. That's why you have to synchronise with him or piss on the sink. Okay. So you've handled the wee part. Yeah, we, and we've done showers by making him think he's got a pressure problem in his house. Okay. I need to eat his food now. How are you going to use a toaster? How am I going to use the toaster? <laughs> Do you think blind people really use the toaster? Yeah. Ask Stevie. What, you think you think blind people aren't allowed toast? <laughs> I'm sorry you're blind and also you're not allowed toast. God damn it! So at the check stand, he's just like, I'm sorry, sir, do you really think you can handle this kind of technology? Can you imagine he's just pick, he's, you're about to pick a new toaster up from Argos and the person behind the counter's like, I'm sorry, you're blind, you can't have a new yeah. toaster. No. Haven't um, you read the notice? <laughs> <laughs> it's in the instructions! Um, so what, what else? So food, I think... I would have to. How would I deal with the food? Because he's gonna like buy bacon in and then. How am I gonna cook? How am I gonna cook? What if he watches a comedy show and there's something that's truly hilarious? <laughs> and, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> yeah. He'll think it's the laughter so track. Maybe, on maybe, Friends. maybe I should ask you this. <laughs> Do you think that you could live in the, in the house for how, three days without being caught? Is it three days? Yeah. Three days. Three days without being... No, I, could, I can't even like walk around my own house without annoying myself. So definitely not. No, I couldn't do it. But I think it'd be funny. What do you think, Luke? Could you, could you do it? Luke's yeah. just really quiet. I could be like a... Stel- I'd be stealth mode for three days. I think you would time everything so when they were asleep, you did your stuff. Hmm. Yeah. You I think if you just put yourself up. on a... Yeah, but you don't want to sleep waking up and you're making a fucking bacon sarnie like... <laughs> Why am I waking up to that? And they're like, oh, I don't know. You know Just hypnotise them. Back to sleep. There's nothing to see here. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times, I mean, they might think they had a tumour because apparently brain tumours have like associated smells that aren't really there. Yeah, oh, that's great. So the easiest way to do that is to convince someone they've got a brain tumour. I was going to go for making them feel a little bit crazy, but brain tumour. It's a new level. Luch, yours. What did Atlas torture you with? He put, how many ninjas could you kill... <laughs> If none had weapons, you had an Uzi, and you were in a hall of mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> I think, that I think somebody known. has been watching a little bit too much Steven Seagal and bloody <laughs> Bruce Lee films yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, is the, the Uzi... Is, are there lots of ninjas, or is it, ju- is it one ninja and loads of mirrors? Oh, no, it's, it's <laughs> loads of ninjas, loads of mirrors. Wow. Right, so a couple of things. Um, is the Uzi like an unlimited... Yeah, you have an unlimited, unlimited clip. And I don't have to reload it. I, I just keep stand, spraying. Sorry, it's not me. All right, all right, okay. So, how many ninjas could you... Are they a, a stream of them? Would they be hiding from it, or would they be coming straight at me? It's up to the ninjas to choose the tactics. And how, how many are we talking, like... Endless amounts of ninjas. Amount. How many could you kill before you died? Well, I think the main thing is then, you're probably best just getting on a little merry-go-round and spinning around and spraying forever. Exactly. You just smack all the mirrors in a circle. But there, there, are no, there are no merry-go-rounds in a hall of mirrors. I'm going to be one dizzy motherfucker then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll just break dance and spray. Break yourself, fool! I don't know, maybe... Maybe 50... Before they, really? they overcome Those you. are highly trained quality ninjas here. Oh, in that case, 100. <laughs> <laughs> Those ninjas ain't going to get... We're fucking them ninjas up. <laughs> I reckon I could get like 20 and I'd be like, oh, I'm just really tired. 
If it, it depends. You're like, I need you're like go, thanks for letting me kill you guys. I need to nap it out now. I need to go home because I live with a blind man. Can you keep it down? Mm. <laughs> I mean, if they are coming at you, like one constant swarm. If it's one person at a time. From all angles, your best bet is literally, they're going to get you. Spin so the best the bet is just spin in the circle and spray just, and yeah. pick out but the ones Don't the you think that maybe you could go to the end of a, ho- uh, end of a corridor... And if you gun down enough ninjas in the same spot, they'd pile up so that the other ninjas couldn't make it past you. I mean, think think but tactically ninjas here. ninjas can get past things. There's no, there ain't no wall big enough. Ain't no mountain high enough to well, keep those ninjas out. If I'm in a hall of mirrors, so presumably there is one end of that hall. Yeah, I get the fuck out of there. And if there's no door, then you sort of position yourself at that end and just spray. Yeah, that's what I do too. Yeah. Depends on that tactics, doesn't it, really? If they're going to come straight out, they're going to get shot. If they're going to climb through the roofs and drop down, then maybe they're going to get here at some point. But I think, I think you're probably going to take out less than a hundred. I think before they get you. Definitely, I think thirty max for me, maybe twenty. I think probably three or four for you, Ken. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. Okay. okay. Let's try take this. the pellet. Right here we go. Who's going first? Go my my questions aren't nowhere near as good as your guys. Oh well. It's about your product releases, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's twice. <laughs> Which did you like better? Simple and direct mentalism or the Black Project? Discuss. Actually, how many books have you had that have been translated to a foreign language, Ken? Um, well, I haven't, I haven't got enough time to translate no, them all myself, no, so I mean, I'm busy doing gigs. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, burns deep. And then, well, not really, because my book was sold to a French company who translated and redid all the Did you know that? Can you imagine the quality of French mentalism which has gone through the fucking floor? Exactly. No, it's gone through the roof. <laughs> Literally, the ninjas were through the floor. Right, here we go. Lucha's question to me. If you could only drink one flavour of drink for the rest of your life, what would it be? It cannot be water. Root beer. That it? Because, yeah, but the reason is that root beer has so many different variations. It's one flavour. Yeah, root beer. Root beer is the flavour, but you can make it with licorice you can make it with sassafras root you well, can that's make it with honey flavors. no it's all still root beer no, it's not a flavour that's not fair is it it's a loophole that he spotted yeah lucky lucky here alright root beer I don't know what I would have though I'm, I like coke I'm not really a fan of Pepsi I know we're drinking Pepsi today but I like coke the thing is though could you honestly live the rest of your life just drinking coke no yeah, especially tea. especially tea. after you've seen what it does to like nails Absolutely, and things yeah. like that I think tea mm. Yorkshire tea that would be mine yeah yeah great and you well, definitely go you definitely go root beer oh yeah because there's so many there's like Henry Weinhardt's root beer is a very very different flavour from dad's root beer or IBC or Thomas Kemper what if let's imagine that it was worded slightly different which couldn't give you different degrees of for example Ken TV chooses Coca-Cola but he can include Pepsi and Tab Clear and so cola. cheap cola, cola, those kind yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. What if it was like, you know, one specific brand, one flavour of a drink? What would you go with then? One specific brand, one yeah, flavour? Yeah, not of necessarily drink? root beer, but one specific brand of drink. So I, you know. I would stick with Yorkshire tea still. Yeah. Uh, I would drink pineapple juice. Oh, I love pineapple juice. But I'm stuck with, stuck with tea. Yeah. So pineapple juice, that's an interesting one. Okay. It's Luchy. delicious it's and refreshing. Yeah, very sugary though. Okay, so if you were invited to become a real time traveller, but it meant your entire memory was erased up to this point in your life, would you? Yes. 
You can go to anywhere in time, build new memories. However, the important thing is that you could now leave with no compunctions or no guilt whatsoever. Now, if you're a time traveler, you're like, well, I've got my family and my friends, but suddenly your memory of them is all gone. Yeah. But they would still be there, though. They would still be there, but you would have no memory of them. Therefore, no guilt. But what about the feelings of, say, for example, your wife and children? They wouldn't, they'd know that you've gone. They would remember you, but you wouldn't remember This them. is a bit like my UFO question. To yeah, you. exactly. That's what I was inspired by. Yeah, I think the ability to go anywhere in time is it's, it's too big of an allure. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't. You could make yourself rich with no effort at all. You could see all of history, all of history, the story of and, the human race. You could answer the it. biggest questions in life. You could answer where things came from. You literally, you like, would be able to what, be there like, and be a first time. Did Hitler really only have one ball? I mean, like big questions like that. It's Look, a funny you, undertone of this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if those are the questions you're after, fine. But if you want to know how things were created and how does it all end, which I, I don't know, I'm, I'm really interested in those kinds of questions. Being able to travel through time is essential to being able to really? answer those questions definitively. See, my relationships are worth the most thing to me. Like none of that stuff. Having you know done a little bit of traveling and uh, seen things, yeah, they have massively contributed to who I am. But it's made me more grateful than ever for every single person that's in my life, for sure. So I would turn down the opportunity for sure. So you are less curious and more anchored. And while I'm I love more, my wife and kids, I'm more grateful. I think I can, my my life's changed over the last year. I would say into being very much more about gratitude and about giving rather than taking experiences and building me. I thought you was a giver as opposed yeah, yeah. to a taker. I knew there was a line there. I knew there mm. was. Yeah, that's what I would do. I would, I would turn down the opportunity. See, I'm satisfied that my wife and boys are set up. They're fine. So I could go any time. Do you know what I mean? Um, and instead, of, how, how is it any different than me dying? I could die three years from now. I could die tomorrow. Because that wouldn't. they would know that that wasn't your choice. Yeah. You, they would know that you're choosing... To but say, lots of people. oh, this is really nice, but actually it's much more important that I go... Okay, so let me, let me ask you a clarifying question. Somebody build the pyramids. Do they know that I've chosen to leave? Yeah. Yeah, because it's only your mind that's been erased. So, they, so I can say, bye guys, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. I'm having a, I'm having yeah. A, well, then you get a sense of closure, don't you? It's, how's that any different than being dead? I think it's selfish. Oh, it's massively selfish. Okay. But you, you, you'd be cool with that? I spent, yeah, I spent all the time at night looking up at the stars and wondering what's out there. I spent a lot of time really thinking about it. If I got a chance to get definitive answers, I think my family could look at it and go, good for him, he's off doing what he loves. Just like with mentalism, good for him, he's off doing what he loves. Mm. I've taken care of them, I've supported them, I've given them a, a good foundation for the rest of their lives. And, and I think if I said to them, look, this is what I really want to do, if they objected, if they said no, then I wouldn't do it. But if they were cool with it, in an, in an instant, I would wipe my memory clean and go off and see the start of everything and the end of everything. I'm going to flip this around. What would you do, Luch? You wrote the question. What would your answer be to that? Well, it was inspired by something that Atlas asked me uh, a while back, and I'm trying to remember the exact thing. It was if a, if a UFO came down mm -hmm. and offered to take you um, away and... I think you actually played on the love for Star Wars, didn't you? You said, you know, you, you could become a... No, you... What was it? What, what, you, how did it go? Yeah, I I, I, so back. the question was, UFO comes down right now, says we can go off anywhere in space and you can see the galaxy. Do you leave? You don't get a chance to say goodbye to anyone. Mm -hmm. You just go. You threw in the caveat that was said, 
is there a Star Wars universe? Can I become a Force user? Do I get a lightsaber? With those caveats. With those caveats. The lightsaber was the, the, was the main thing. If I could wield the lightsaber, then I'm down. You're in. You're in. All right. Okay. Sweet. That was great fun. <laughs> Explore the who, what, and why of mentalism with Mystic Descendant. <laughs> Available now at mysticdescendant.com. Guys, I think that was a really great episode. Lots of fun that we had. And yeah. I think the discussion about really what it would be like if you could read minds for real, it took it away from plots mm. and actually addressed lifestyle. And, I, and I think that was we really all good. think about, you know, think, oh, if I could really do this, what would I do? And uh, But now, thinking about it in this way, as a lifestyle, like you really can in everyday life, it has totally made me go into dark and strange areas. Well, I don't life. think you'd go on BBC York and look for something, would you? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. And no. at least you get it right. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> right, guys, uh, I have to say, uh, take some time to like our Facebook page. We appreciate that lots of people have taken some time to click like on it. Um, it's such a simple thing to do, but it makes a difference for us. Uh, also, please, if, you're, if you feel so inclined, take some time to donate to the Three Mentalists Walked Into a Podcast. We don't have a special additional learning session uh, for this episode, but we may in future. Absolutely. So just go over to threementalists.com um, and you can click on that donate button and help us keep the podcast going. What's our Twitter, Luch? At uh, threementalists. In fact, we need we need to plug that Twitter because no one's going on that as much. Even Roboto goes on there more. Now, so, yeah. I don't know if anyone knows about Roboto, uh, the at Roboto speaks. Yeah. Yeah, you need yeah to, he, you need he, he has some funny things on there. He's a naughty boy. Yeah, uh, hashtag owned, buddy. <laughs> buddy! <laughs> All right. That's it. Yeah, good episode. It's good. One, two, three, break! Thank you for listening to the Three Mentalists Walked Into a Podcast. You can interact with us at threementalists.com. How was your day, honey? (laughs) The fat man made me cry.